Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. There's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling, and you're one of them. You know all the bad shit you've heard about us, it's all true, but another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling, and that's why we're here. I'm not sports entertainment anymore. Talk to him, kid. This is a new beginning, and it starts tonight. A new day is dawning for GX. So who you're talking to? Happy holidays, X-Pac 12360 fans. Thanks for joining us. We're coming at you with another brand new episode, our last one of 2016. It's going to be good. Jerry Lynn will be joining us for an exclusive interview a little bit later. We also have the VP of Global Acquisitions at Flow Sports on the line, Toby Mergler. We're going to be talking about their latest acquisitions. The team is all here to close out the year. My name is Christy Olson, and Jimbo Slice is on the couch. What's up, Jimbo? Hi, Christy. Hello. Looking great in your holiday sweater. Oh, I had to be festive. Where's the hat, Jimbo? We... Oh, I know. I'm Come sweating. on, man. <laughs> Got the Christmas party the other night. The agreement was the whole ball of wax. That I just goes realized the hat I didn't too. bring my elf hat. It's BS, bro. Sorry. Oh. Well, for our iTunes listeners who can't hear, he is rocking a heinous sweater and a Christmas light necklace. So we're going to give him a pass on that one. Mark in the booth, happy holidays to you. <laughs> it's beginning to look a lot like X-Pac. <gasps> oh, that, I like that. that. Very clever, Mark. I like that. That actually would have been a great intro. Let's just tell him that he's here. Sean X-Pac Waldman. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy holidays. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Yeah. I'm happy I'm wearing my Santa Claus hat, the really long Santa Claus hat. <laughs> Anyways, um, well, let's get right. Very hey, stylish. You know, we have Toby on the line. I think we should bring Toby on right now since he's been waiting long enough. Let's do it. Toby, do you have an ugly Christmas sweater on? I thought you guys were actually sending a video crew out here, so I'm upset I wore my sexy reindeer costume for nothing. Ooh. Yeah, well, we can uh, redo this and have you uh, Skype video so we can see it. (laughs) Nobody wants to see it, I promise you. Oh, well, thanks for joining us today. I know you guys have big news there. You've just acquired WXW, and you've got some big shows coming up. We want to talk about it. Yeah, and I'm excited to join you guys today. Thank you very much for having me. Um, we did announce last week a partnership with WXW that we're extremely excited about. Uh, they are an outstanding partner out of Germany, and we feel like we've heard uh, a lot of buzz around them on the Internet as people have started to talk more and more about who they would like to see on our service. So being able to kind of bring that to reality is exciting for all of us. They WXW, I've, I wrestled for them in Germany. They're out of Oberhausen, I believe. Uh, I they were one of the they were one of the the promotions that that popped into my head when when I first uh, learned about Flow Slam. So uh, this is a pretty natural fit, Toby. 
Yeah, we completely agree. Um, they put on high-quality events, and they have awesome crowds, and they have amazing talent. And this is part of why we kind of are excited about our platform, that we were able to bring all of the different action from around the four corners of the globe right into the four corners of your computer or television. And uh, WXW fits right into that model, and we're really excited. Our first show with them is actually tonight. And that'll mark the debut of a really big star on Flow Slam. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, Adam Cole himself will be participating in the main event, and we're excited to have him on our platform for the first time and kind of bring his action out to all of our fans. Adam Cole's great. He, he's, I'm not sure if he's the current, and this may sound bad that I don't know who the current ROH champion is, but it, it has been Adam Cole several times recently. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, he's done. He's done very well in that promotion, and uh, I think. I mean, I think he dropped the belt at Final Battle, but who knows? Maybe he'll get it back someday. Yeah, but uh, so and also, you guys have Mar- Marty Skrull. He he's not he's only the man. He's, yeah, he's fantastic. He's I love right his. Uh, I you know the persona that that he's uh, that he's crafted for himself. The, the you know the the fur coat, the the <laughs> umbrella. umbrella. <laughs> um, and just, you know, not to mention what he does, you know, once the bell rings. So you guys, I mean, you know, him, Jern Simmons, uh, a lot of guys that, you know, the the mainstream wrestling fan might not be familiar with, but the ones that follow it a little bit closer know who these people are. Are you going to be uh, streaming past WXW shows, like past 16 uh, carrot tournament shows and showcasing like their library, so to speak? Uh, absolutely. We won't have the entire library. That will be still be available on their on-demand service. But uh, we part of our agreement is for us to kind of curate the library and take out choice selections to be able to bring to our audience. And I should point out, um, tonight is the debut of something that we that we haven't done before at anywhere on Flow Sports, and we're trying it with Slam for the first time. Tonight's WXW show isn't live from Germany because it would be, you know, two in the morning over there. It's, some, it's an event that just happened. But what we, what we thought, we're testing a theory because it's part of overall what we're trying to do in the space. We thought it would be useful to the community rather than to just drop it on VOD and have everybody kind of watch it separately and being unable to react uh, to the big spots and the crazy results and all that together. They would just be doing it at different times. Frames. Sure. We thought it would be useful if we put a common time frame around it. So even if it was taped, you know, a few days ago, people can actually watch it together and be on Twitter and be on Reddit and be on social media or texting their friends or Facebook or whatever it might be. And now they can actually watch it together, uh, even though it's in the past. I like that, so Toby. Cool. I like that. And, you know, after the initial, you know, showing, then they can watch it on uh, on demand, you know, anytime they want after that. And, and this gives everyone a chance to like like you're saying watch it together live tweet things like that yeah it's a big part of what we're trying to do guys like we're trying to service the community in in new and creative and expansive ways and this is just some way for us to work with some of the federations where maybe the time zones are different or maybe the internet in their venue is uh isn't reliable or you know they just aren't ready quite quite ready yet to take the dive into live production Um, and they just weren't ready. So like we're creative over here and we want to work with promotions. And so we figured out a way to at least give some sort of the benefits to live to both them 
their talent, their wrestlers, and to the community. And we're really excited to see how it works tonight. So tonight's kind of a beta test forward, and we have high hopes that it's going to bring value to all wrestling fans. Now, are you sending your crew down there to shoot this production? Or they have their own crew and they just send you the, the footage? Yeah, so in this particular case, they're sending us the file. Um, so, you know, they had, they produce it for VOD already or they produce it for Blu-ray or DVD or whatever it might be. And this just gives a chance for it to be a kind of debut event. Um, so it'll, it'll still be available VOD later, uh, obviously on our platform immediately and their platform later, and they'll still sell DVDs. But, like, this does give the community a chance to experience it at the same time. Very cool. Is there any post-production on, on your end at all when it comes to this? Most of our partnerships thus far, we haven't focused on post-production. They've been delivered to us. Like our, our model as a company, just to give some more background, we're in 21 sports overall. It's not just kind of uh, wrestling. That's right. And our model, our model brings a whole lot of different forms of value. Like, for, for, for this, um, production has been provided for us, but for most of our partners and most of the other sports, we go out and provide production. So it's a mix in terms of our entire company of how we actually kind of shoot the video or receive the feeds. But uh, thus far, we haven't done a lot of post-production with the wrestling because they're used to doing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of our partners and a lot of our spaces aren't used to doing this, but pro wrestling you know, co- companies have been recording for years for DVD or VOD or whatever it might be. Well, yeah, and actually, you guys have kind of scored some of the top promotions already in the short time you've been around. Are there other companies that you're looking to add? What's going to be the headline next week is going on at, at Flow Slam? <laughs> oh, I wish I knew. It's not always up to me, right? Um, Come on, Tony, you do out. know. You're just not spilling the beans for us. <laughs> uh, we are hopeful that we're going to be able to announce more partnerships soon. We have had very productive conversations across the wrestling landscape and we do try to be creative. Like the deal that WXW got isn't the exact same as the deal as, you know, our other partners got and and vice versa. And that's because ultimately we're trying to find something that works for all parties. We're trying to find something that they're excited about, that we're excited about and that um, our fans will be excited about because, you know, I, I work on the business side of things, and it's an important thing to keep in mind that, you know, this is one of our 21 sports. We're looking to grow it. We're looking to invest. The dollars that come into us, we reinvest right back out into the space. And as uh, our subscription base grows, as our traffic grows, as our fan base grows, then I can make more and more aggressive offers. And the more aggressive offers I can make, the more that the promotions are likely to say yes, and the more that that gets invested back into the wrestling ecosystem. And we're very hopeful that a rising tide can lift all boats. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I think that's a that's a good way of looking at it, and um, I think it can work. I really do. And possibly like an international show solely on flow, where it's like. The best from this company and this company and this company, and you have like a tournament that's only on Flow Sports. Hey, Toby, I, I, I want to ask you. I'm sorry, go ahead. You had a thought? Oh, my only thought is that's absolutely true. Like, one nice thing about our platform, guys, is we're somewhat agnostic. Like, I think there's been a lot of hesitation. And, and Sean, you know a lot better than I do. I think there's somewhat of hesitation out to the community for promotions to maybe work across each other. And we're we're more or less Switzerland in this thing, guys. We're providing a platform. We're providing marketing. We're providing editorial. We're providing dollars to invest right back into this thing. And it gives a chance for people to kind of work with a third party and end up working together indirectly. 
That's true. And, and you know, the thing is, is all these all these promotions can work together successfully and thrive. And and that ju- it just that goes against uh, the mentality that wrestling has had for many, many years. That's a problem. So it's just teaching uh, people a new way of doing things and a new way of looking at things. Yeah, we feel like we can be a very powerful force for change in that area, if nothing else, through content discovery. So, right, you know, before we came along, the landscape might be, you know, you pay 10 bucks here, you pay 12 bucks here, you pay eight bucks here in order to kind of sample a single federation. And that's, you know, that's not huge dollars in the scheme of things when managing multiple subscriptions and committing to dollars up front and not knowing whether you're going to like the content might turn some people off to even try some things. But you come into our model and you either buy the annual or you buy the monthly and heck, you might not have checked out that ACW show, that crazy show from a mall down in Florida, but maybe you see it and dig it. And maybe you're a house of hardcore fan and all of a sudden you're seeing the villain over in Ireland. You're like, man, this the Marty Skrull is dope. I got to see some more of him and this Irish crowd is hot and I want to watch more of them. And you wouldn't have had that exposure previously. There's so many elements to this, Toby, while you're talking. It's the production and the broadcasting and and making these deals. And you guys are kind of pioneering all of this. What obstacles have you met and overcome? So uh, I'll just be perfectly blunt to answer that question. Um, I think the biggest obstacle that we have faced has been our price point. Uh, The WWE Network has puts out a world-class product with you know a massive library unforeseen ever in the history of wrestling and they're priced at 10 bucks and so people look at them and like they're ten dollars how can you justify a twenty dollar price um and i understand their perspective it's just the the economics of it is we're we don't have the reach of the wwe like wwe is one of the biggest streaming uh services in the world it's one of the most successful entertainment companies in the world and if we thought that we can reach the same market then we might be able to price more aggressively the truth of the matter is guys is the uh, market size for independent wrestling while growing and while we really think we can help it grow isn't the same market so to expect the same price and a more um, a more restrictive reach isn't something that we thought we could support. And we were afraid if we did that, we wouldn't be able to invest in marketing. We wouldn't be able to invest in production. We wouldn't be able to make these aggressive deals with all these different promotions and we'd be set up to fail. Mm-hmm. I, I That was the first thing uh, when, when I first learned of uh, Flow Slam, the first thing that stood out to me was the price point. And, uh, but at the same time, and, and you, you hit on some of this already just now, um, it's, you know, okay, the people that um, that that's an issue for maybe aren't aren't the people that you're targeting anyway. I mean, um, we're talking about like you get uh, what you pay for. Niche. We're, I mean, we're talking about niche niche programming here um, with within the wrestling you know uh, industry, and uh, I I think that people are, are going to be willing to pay a premium price for that more than that. You know, I, I, I could see paying it honestly, Toby. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and we're seeing more and more people are coming over to your point of view, Sean. Like, I think when we first launched, people were like, who the hell do these people think they are charging 20 bucks to 10 bucks? But if you search Twitter, if you read the message boards, if you kind of are out in the community, you're seeing a tipping point where more and more people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe how much value I'm getting for my $20. That's right. And when we reverse that trend and they're like, this is the greatest value in the world, I think we're going to start to erase that um, WWE should be a benchmark pricing for me. Right. And the other, the other points I would make is, uh, one, if you do the annual pass, it's twelve fifty a month because it's $150 a year. And I know that looks like an initial outlay, but I've really been busting my tail to bring more and more value into this. And I hope people can see the reinvestment we're making and yeah. have confidence that if they buy annually, that we're just going, they're going to get, continue to get more and more for their dollars. And not only that, an annual subscription unlocks every flow sports site and we put on some awesome oh, yeah. stuff in other sports guys like if you if you had had our annual pass last week you could have seen john jones grappling nice um in an event we yeah. put on in portland you can watch combat events you can watch boxing if you're in a household and you have you know kids or a wife or aren't into professional wrestling uh but they're super into basketball or they're into marching band or they're into gymnastics, or they're into all the other, you know, amateur wrestling, all the other crazy stuff that we do. Now your whole household can enjoy your subscription, and it's not just for the wrestling. And, and I'm sorry I'm rambling a little no, bit. No, it's okay. I'm really passionate about this point. The, uh, the last point I would make on it is without this money, we can't reinvest. Yeah. Like, we are taking the money that you're paying us, the twelve fifty, the or you know, the twelve fifty a month or the twenty dollars, and I directly, I, Toby Mergler, am going out and making better deals with these promotions. Like I, I said it on Twitter, um, that Tommy Dreamer came out and put out a Facebook post where he's like, Hey, I, I put a lot on the line here. Come out and support me, please. And, and it will lead to, you know, a lot more dollars for me. And that really affected me. He's absolutely correct. Every single time I see a subscription come, I can tell what they're watching. I can tell who they're supporting. And I don't mean to scare people like think we're big brother. I don't know you right. by name. You're just, you're, you're just ones and zeros to me. It's kind of like looking at the matrix. Sure. And I can say <laughs> this, this is a deal. Uh, this is a, a promotion that I can now offer more money to. Or this is somebody who's going to get a bigger check. And then I get to go out and offer them more money. They get to invest in higher production quality. They get to bring in uh, additional talent. They maybe pay their people who are appearing on their cards more. And it just keeps growing the economy. So I am committing to everyone hearing me right now that when you come in and buy something from Flow Slam, we are spending that money back out to bring you more value and to grow the independent wrestling space. Toby, um, awesome. as far as the as far as the site goes, do you have a, a metric, whatever that that measures, um, you know, what each promotion does viewer wise, and like, does that affect how much money they get? We see subscriptions that are driven um, to that event or to that promotion, and we see viewership, and we can see behavior. Again, not to scare everybody, but like, we are watching these things. We are. Um, we are very proud to be a data-driven company. And while you know, I grew up, I grew up a, a big wrestling fan. Um, I was, a, I you know, followed it through college. I had, I won't pretend like I know more than anybody else. I'm just a guy who like really enjoys the form of entertainment that is professional wrestling. Um, and I want to continue to invest in it. I really do. But. I'll get fired by our CEO or I'll get, you know, fired by our board if I go out and just buy things that don't have returns. 
So we see the data and it absolutely drives my decisions of what kind of offers we can shape. And the more we can go out and offer things, guys, the more, you know, people want to see us go get these really big names. We can make the competitive offers to big names and we're happy to do it. The ability to land big names is going to be driven by our ability to be confident in our investment. So it's really like a, a symbiotic circle among sure. uh, fans supporting us, us supporting the independent wrestling, and us bringing value. And I, I really have been cognizant and been working really hard to show, you know, guys, um, we didn't stop with Evolve. We didn't start with stop with WWN. Um, we're bringing you WXW. We're bringing you House of Hardcore. We're bringing you uh, IPW. We're bringing you these insane shows out of Dublin. I cannot wait for the world to see the uh, the Osprey Ricochet match that just happened last week in Dublin. It is absolutely nuts. So for OTT, for over the top, to, over the top yeah. wrestling, like it's going it's going to light the internet on fire once everybody sees this match. So we want to be doing those things, and we can all work together to kind of, as I said, raise the rise the tides and lift the boats. Very cool. Uh, Toby, Appreciate one, your passion, Toby. One, one more thing. Uh, okay, you guys, uh, obviously, you have Evolve on, on Flow Slam, and Evolve has a relationship with WWE, and I, I, I'm I, pretty sure uh, I was told or I read somewhere that WWE actually had a stake in Flow Slam at one point. Is that still the case? Uh, they have, they're an investor in Flow Sports, not Flow Slam okay. directly. Okay, okay. And that's kind of where that ends. So, yeah, well, we we did a, a round of fundraising, a, a Series B. We raised a little bit over $21 bucks, and we had um, strategic partners that were involved in it. And WWE is one of our investors, and we're, you know, we're thankful to have them. Um, at the corporate level, it's beneficial, we feel, to both parties to – uh, us to learn from one of the world's most preeminent streaming sites, and they obviously see some value in um, what they can learn from us and where we can get to in the future. So I'm sure that they're expecting to earn a return on their investment. We're confident we're going to deliver that to them, and we are uh, we are happy to have them as partners. It, and 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 here's the thing: for them to invest in Flow Sports it means they see something in Flow Sports that's worth investing in. So that says a lot right there. Yeah, and it wasn't based on wrestling, guys. It's we, we are a large multimedia company that's in 21 sports at present. We're probably going to be in closer to 30 by the end of 2017. We're going to be in 40 by the end of 2018. We're launching sports every single month, and they saw our growth, and they saw what we can deliver, and it wasn't a wrestling-based decision for them. It was a business decision for them. Cool. Wow. Well, congratulations on all the success you guys have had. If people want to get one of those memberships for the family for the holidays, where can they do that at? Uh, head to Flow Slam TV or go through your favorite promotion, follow their referral link, and I'll see which one you, tri- you clicked on. <laughs> cool. And tonight, what's tonight, right? The six, 16th anniversary show is tonight? That's absolutely right, Sean. So WXW 16th anniversary show is 8.30 Eastern um, tonight on Flow Slam. Tomorrow night we have the IPW uh, UK Super Show 5, which had, uh, had Cody on it and had a bunch of great action. Um, I already had some people screen that for me, and, and I can't wait to watch it myself tomorrow night. And then uh, next week, the 28th and 29th, we have uh, two, shot, two shows from Over the Top Wrestling 
All of this is at 8.30 p.m. And then just to continue plugging for one more second, um, early in January, we have the debut of Style Battle, the new promotion coming out of WWN, and we're going to be building um, towards WrestleMania. I know there's some great Evolve shows that are happening in San Antonio right before the Royal Rumble, and we all have Shine, and we'll have uh, FIP, which is now going to be booked by Gabe Sapolsky, and we're just going to keep bringing you more and more stuff. And as you you tried to call me out on earlier, I'm sure I'm going to announce more things to add to that schedule. Cool. Well, we will be watching Toby. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Hey, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And we appreciate all the initial support and uh, hopefully some support to come. Oh, yeah, of course. You guys are great. And uh, thank you, like like Christy said, thank you so much for your time, Toby. And uh, I hopefully we'll be talking to you real soon. Well, I guarantee you Call we will. Call me anytime, guys. I guarantee you we will because we need to talk about the Royal Rumble show. Oh, I can't wait. And just real quick, uh, yeah. feel free to edit this out later. But, Sean, I, I told you a little bit off the air how you were important to my wrestling um my fandom in college, but I didn't tell you why. It's it's because after we would watch the shows, you know, we were freshmen in college, people would go out to parties, yeah. and one of my friends would come home drunk and uh, <laughs> sneak, go into his room and hit his roommate while he was sleeping with the most vicious Bronco Buster you've ever oh, seen. Oh, shit. And it was entirely... It was entirely inspired by uh, by you. So oh, you brought me many happy memories without even knowing. It. Nice. And there's a ro- and there's an ex roommate of yours that hates my guts because of that. <laughs> that is also true. Cool. Always good to hear stories right. like that. Thank you so much, Toby. Thank you, guys. Have a good show. Thanks, Bye-bye. Toby. Bye bye. Oh, that's a great little story there at the end. A little, a little gem for us. And I got to say, I really appreciate that Toby, in addition to being a businessman, that he is a passionate fan and he's trying yeah. to get these great shows to all the fans and accessible for everybody. And just to remind all of you, the X-Pac 12360 show is accessible for free on YouTube and on iTunes. Please like, comment, rate, and subscribe. We'd love five stars. Let us know what you think about the show. You never want to miss one of these. Like I said, we got Jerry Lynn coming up so good stuff today yeah very good very good stuff yeah. shall we move on to a little bit of x-pac 12360 news of the week okay x-pac 12360 wrestling news Oh, one WWE superstar got a bit of a blow last week as Zack Ryder is dealing with a knee injury. He will reportedly be out of action for four to nine months. He went to Birmingham, Alabama and had surgery last week. He posted this photo on Twitter of his uh, operated on knee and about a million staples there. It is yeah. quite quite a gnarly photo but this is just terrible terrible timing he and his tag team partner mojo raleigh won the number one contendership last week on smackdown for the tag team titles and that is the match in which this injury occurred so the wyatt family are the current tag team champions and next week on smackdown they're doing a wild card finals to see who will go up against them for the belts but we do know that the hype bros are out poor Mm. zach ryder yeah and I'm looking at the picture of this right now, and that it's doesn't insane. look that doesn't yeah. look like uh, an orthoscopic procedure. They didn't just go in there and scope that; they opened that thing wide open. Oh my god! Anyways, barely even looks like a knee anymore. Sorry, Zach. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. Uh, though, I don't know how bad. Like, I don't know. At, at one time in the industry, we used to just try to you know work through things like that. Yeah. And it's 
better that you just go ahead and get it fixed, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, it essentially extends your yeah, career, right? That, well, here's the thing. When you don't get the knee fixed, mm-hmm. then it ends up causing your you hip. to hurt your back, your hip. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, any number of things. So, I mean, it's just best to just get it fixed. Yeah. So My hopes act- for him were uh, Emma got injured. She's been out. She has so much hype coming back. They keep mm-hmm. teasing her comeback and teasing her comeback. I hope he gets that same thing mm-hmm. where he's gone for, you know, nine months. But for the last, like, two, we just get vignettes upon vignettes upon vignettes of, like, Zack Ryder's coming back. And maybe a different kind of character. Mm-hmm. Completely get rid of the whole woo-woo stuff and just go somewhere else. Yeah, and I'm curious about what Mojo's going to do in the meantime, but I guess we will find out. Yeah, we will. We will find out. And Zack Ryder is not the only superstar being put out of action. Brock Lesnar has been fined and suspended from the UFC for failing drug tests. This all stems from July's UFC 200 showdown against Mark Hunt in Las Vegas, which will now be overturned to a no contest. So Brock will also have to pay a $250,000 fine and will be suspended for one year, which means that he'll be eligible to reapply for his license in July of 2017. This is a retro, a retro suspension. So Lesnar has not commented um nor should he and he probably won't. why should he <laughs> why should he i big whoop so i mean i i don't think he was going to fight again anytime soon mm-hmm. and as far as the fine goes it's kind of to me i'd be like conor mcgregor was yeah good luck collecting that fine <laughs> kiss my ass <laughs> Conor McGregor said, ah, oh, you know what? I don't think I see fighting in Nevada in my future anytime soon. F them. So, Oh, is that who you pay? That's yeah. where the fine money? I yeah. didn't know if it goes back to the Oh, UFC. the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Of course. And, what yeah, and, and I'm sure the they do wonderful things with it. <laughs> what happens to all the bets? Did they overturn the bet? Like if you kept your thing? like I, I don't know how that works. Oh, that's a good question. I picked Mark Hunt. I don't think that works. Those, uh, it's... No. 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 Okay. Uh-uh. No. And, and, and really, here's the thing. I just, and you know, I hear people go, oh, there's no no place for cheaters in this sport. And the, you know, and the problem with that is, is 90% of the people saying that shit are fucking cheating themselves. Yeah. And I'm trying to watch go my watch language. Go Bigger, Stronger, Faster is a great documentary. And so, forgive me, I, there are some people that are not cheating, but there's, so many that are that lie about it. I'm sorry. I don't believe anybody necessarily. Mm-hmm. I don't disbelieve them either, but it's not just like, I'm just going to take your word for it. What about people inadvertently taking things like the supposedly with Lesnar, the Clomid. issues that he used like a foot a foot cream that he didn't realize had this substance no, in it? No, a foot cream doesn't have Clomid in it. It's I'm not going to speculate on how he came up positive, but mm-hmm. no. Clomid is, is a drug that's used for uh, male fertility. Yeah, it's an estrogen blocker, right? Well, it can be used as that too. Okay. But um, what what doctors usually prescribe it for is guys that have a hard time getting their their wives or you know significant others pregnant. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, and it's really like besides USADA and you know all these you know anti doping groups, like it's not a big deal. Okay, it's not a big deal at all. So, okay. uh, I just, you know, I, 
Anyway, we get on the subject. I get on my soapbox. So. Oh, all right. Well, step on down. We'll move on to something that maybe Brock Lesnar can watch while he's hanging out. TNAs, the the genius of the Hardy Boys, the total nonstop deletion is coming to DVD. This is according to Matt Hardy himself, who announced on Twitter that a digital video disc of my broken brilliance has been ordered. In true Hardy fashion, he announced this. Uh, Reportedly, the DVD PWI Insider says that you can expect some deleted scenes. So that's pretty cool. And that it'll be released next year. I loved it. Are people still? What year is it? DVDs? Like, I mean, right? Do we still sell DVDs? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose is that more of an international thing? I I don't know. I think so. But I just know. I, I know show. this. Was it? It was so. Tell me it about was it. So entertaining. It was because uh, I still want to see it because it cuts. It was like cross cutting between yeah. like what matches are going on and what tag teams are showing up, and we did get to see the hurricane emerge yes. from the lake of reincarnation as yeah. one of the members of three count dance with Trevor Lee and Andrew Everett and then realize they weren't Evan Courageous and uh, Shannon Moore. And then they both super kick him back into the lake, and then he comes out as the hurricane. Oh, no shit. It was so great. And they nice. poked fun at, like, Triple H burying guys by burying the young talent. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was really entertaining. Very good. I love I it. Want, I want to see it. And, and I read a tweet, uh, you know, talking about traditionalists not liking it. And my response to that was traditionalists can find a lot of other things to watch. You know, I personally want to see it, and I want to see something different, and I'm all for people trying something different. Mm-hmm. So that's that. Well, we'll get you that DVD when it comes out next year, Sean. Mm. And or maybe a thumb, DVD player to go drive? along with it. Don't we do thumb drives? <laughs> no. Or, I mean, I was, like a USB, a stick yeah, maybe? Yeah. A total non Just download stick. it. <laughs> Just download it. Well, let's talk about another viral video. This one just came out yesterday, so maybe hasn't hit that viral status quite yet. But you know that Sting has been hired by the Dallas Cowboys? Yes. Does this sound suspicious to you? He has been hired as their intimidation coach. Now, this all goes down in a very, very funny video released by the Dallas Cowboys where you can see Sting visiting their office. He has a little problem at security. Uh, He's being held up there at security because he tries to bring his bat to work every day. He's interacting with coworkers there and just basically trying to teach the guys how to be intimidating. There's face paint going on. Uh, Zeke Elliott and Jason Witten make an appearance. A really hilarious video that, I I mean, really doesn't have any... uh, heavy timeliness but just that it's funny and you guys should all go watch it it is <laughs> why not why not do something like this right come on well and, you know and who doesn't love sting i'm sorry yeah sting whatever fan. whatever th- i i'm a big sting fan <laughs> he could have showed up look you know with a little bit better tan and you know maybe some black dye in the hair at wrestlemania <laughs> but <laughs> He showed up to that basketball thing. <laughs> I don't. I don't do basketball. That basketball thing a couple months ago to to meet LeBron James, right? That was Undertaker. That was Undertaker. Oh, that's right. Oh, I thought there. I thought this was like a new trend now. WWE sending its stars into the mainstream sports world. Well, they're doing a lot of things with ESPN. Mm-hmm. So 
It makes sense. Are we going to see you at the Super Bowl or something, Sean? Super Bowl. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Well, the, the Sting segment actually reminded me of those old ESPN commercials that they used to run with, like, the mascots in, yeah. like, mm-hmm. in, in the office space as well. It's a very good bit if anybody hasn't seen it. Yeah. Check that out. Uh, thank you, everybody. This has been your X-Pac 12360 oh, News of the Week. And I Sean's got another something. tidbit. Well, I mean, it's not news. It was fake news. I, I to use that term because it's way overused right now. Scripted but news? How many news sites reported that Scott Hall uh, posted a picture of his Christmas tree with porn in the, in the background, background? And it wasn't even his... Instagram account. It's such bullshit. I did come across several no posts retraction of that story. story. No, like, no, like, you know, retraction. Oh, sorry, this wasn't Scott. Mm-hmm. It's such bullshit, you know. And it's like of all people to do that too, and you know, somebody that has you know a past reputation for you know for things for tomfoolery. I don't know how you want to <laughs> sh- chicanery. You know, like myself. When somebody does that, like people just. You know, they start burying him, and you know uh, that was then just okay. We didn't hear any more about it mm-hmm. once. Once, and they knew it was BS. I mean, but and they just didn't. It, well, yeah. So the and the porn star who was in it kind of fueled it by retweeting and sure. and yeah, it sort of became a whole big thing. And I, it's I mean, I'm not blaming her. No, not blaming her either. But whatever. I just <laughs> I thought I would mention that for all the news sites. I'm not going to name news site names, but. Y'all know who you are, and so are the people listening. <laughs> I'll still read you, don't worry. Good. Guys, this has been your X-Pac 12360 News of the Week. I'm your managing editor and chief correspondent of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back shortly with Jerry Lynn. Stay tuned. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of one man's midlife crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. We are back on X-Pac 12360. Joining us now, a man who first hit the ring in 1988 in his native Minnesota. Early on, engaging in an epic feud with the Lightning Kid, lasting almost two years, with memorable runs in WCW, ECW, WWE, and more. He scored two World Heavyweight Championships, among numerous other titles, and in 2013, retired in his hometown of Minneapolis. Joining us now is the one and only Jerry Lynn. Wow, well thank you very much. Thank you for chatting with us today. How about the intro, Jerry? Oh. <laughs> it's my pleasure. Thank you. She does. She she spends a lot of time on 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 the intros for our guests. So uh, oh, you can tell. You yeah, can right? tell. Yeah, yeah. Well, I really enjoyed learning about your career, Jerry. There's a lot to talk about. Jerry, thank you so much, man. I I'm really like I'm just gonna say this for everyone to hear. It's it sucks that I have to have you on my show. Just. Uh, for us to have a conversation and i'm sorry about that <laughs> i was gonna say it's weird even being interviewed by you since we've known each other forever since the beginning the funny thing is, is this isn't an interview it's just a conversation between you and i jerry 
Well, you're right. It shouldn't even be an interview. Yeah. Man, how are you? Oh, you know, hanging in there. I can't complain, even though, you know, do sometimes. But uh, just, you know, going through the the old retired wrestler aches and pains. Yeah. And uh, what have you been doing since? And we'll get to the retirement uh, uh, later on. But what have you been doing since then? I work for a medical supply company and inventory control. So I'm basically uh, in and out of a warehouse. And then I do a lot of running around and a lot of fixing problems. Yeah. And, and have you had any anything to do with, with uh, wrestling since then? Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, I'll get a call from someone and I'll go do a seminar or a personal appearance. Not very much, but. I haven't really pursued it. I was going to say, everyone, you, you haven't pursued it, obviously, because there would be a, a huge demand for you as far as seminars go. Well, I, I was thinking about trying to get the word out there more and get a little more because I really enjoy doing them. And, and uh, you know, I wouldn't even mind doing some conventions or anything, but I haven't really done much. But I just don't know how to, you know, I'm about probably 15 years behind the uh, technology as far as social media and all that goes. So. Oh, it's okay. Hey, listen, <laughs> Scott Hall is right up there with you, and uh, he's he's doing well with it now. I, uh, I did actually notice that, Jerry. You're kind of off the grid. Is that by yeah. choice? Um, yes and no. I don't know. I guess, uh, uh, like, I've always... I've always been behind the times of technology. I think even after cell phones were invented, I didn't get one until yeah. probably a couple of years later. I just, <laughs> I just never, I had to be talked into getting one. So, Jerry, uh, for for anyone that doesn't know, that guy, the lightning kid that Christy was talking about, that was me. And <laughs> I would not, there would be no X-Pac, one, two, three kid, uh, and Jerry's heard me say this before. He's probably sick of hearing it. But there would not be, you wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if it wasn't for Jerry. So, so this is the perfect opportunity wow. for you, you know to what, expand on that. Go What's ahead, that? Christy. Oh, I just, I think people want to know why you why? say that. Well, yeah. go ahead. I could say the same thing, though. I wouldn't have had the career I had if it wasn't for Sean either, because I think our feud, it, it got us a lot of attention. It even got us over to Japan, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and and the big, uh, the big, the, to me, the most important exposure that we had was uh, our exposure in GWF. Uh, it was on. We were on ESPN every day, Jerry. You know. Oh yeah, I, I I've met fans who said I used to watch you guys when I was a kid. Every time I'd get home from school, I'd turn on ESPN and watch you guys on in the on Global. Yeah, yeah, Jerry. Um, I want to go back right now, like to you training with Brad Rangins. And for anybody that doesn't know, Brad Rangins was uh, he was a, a silver medalist in Greco-Roman in, in the Olympics for our country, and he was uh, the the gold medal hopeful for the 1980 Olympics until we boycotted. But uh, he he later got into pro wrestling and was uh, the head trainer for Vern Gagne and AWA. And one of the toughest camps, if not the toughest, that uh, you could go through at the time. And Jerry made it through there. That's huge props. That alone, Jerry. Who did? Who was in? Who was in your camp, along with you? It was. It was only four of us, and 
it was a at the time I was uh, laying telephone cable underground for a job. Yeah. And one of the guys I was working with found out about Brad's camp actually, and uh, his name was Todd Becker, and he said Brad's sewing this camp together at the last minute, so he's taking a thousand dollars off. So it was normally thirty five hundred bucks. So it was only twenty five hundred he was charging because he was throwing it together at the last minute. So it was Todd Becker. Um. Uh, Tom Burton. Tom Burton. Who eventually he was eventually was one of the dirty white boys down in Memphis here. And Is, he had Tom a pretty good career away? over in Huh? Did Tom pass away? Yeah, he passed away quite a few years ago. Huh. Sorry to hear that. Anyways, he, keep going. I'm yeah. sorry. Um, you know, he had a pretty good career over in Japan for that uh Takata's UWFI That's company. Right. Yeah, didn't he train with yeah. Billy Robinson down in uh, down in like Memphis or Nashville or something like that? Uh, he, well, I'm not sure. He may have. Cause, huh. And then uh, when uh, the first time I moved down to Nashville, Eddie Gilbert brought me down to work for the old USWA, and yeah. uh, I roomed with Tom because Tom had already been down here doing the Dirty White Boy gimmick with sure. uh, Tony Anthony, was it? Yeah, 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 Tony Anthony. and. Uh, and while I was down here, I was, he was also working with, actually the next winter, I, you know, when, when that run I figured was done, I moved back up to Minneapolis. Yeah. And then the next winter, Eddie Gilbert had called you and I and asked us to come to Global. So then I moved to Nashville again because he said they're uh, using a lot of Tennessee guys. So we just would drive from Nashville to Dallas right. every weekend. Right. And so I moved in with Tom again. I can't remember which winter, but one of those winters, he was working a lot with that uh, UWFI, and one of, they had one of their guys over here. And so I started training with them, and I was going to initially, the first company I was going to work for with Japan was that UWFI company. But then uh, that other one, the Lucha-styled one that brought us over. Yeah, Universal they, Pro. Yeah, they wanted me right away, and the other company wanted me to train a lot longer and i said well i want to get to japan now so i said yeah. <laughs> i went with the lucha company but, but uh and then the fourth guy was um uh, i can't remember his last name but he went by hard rock rick oh really yeah remember him? i didn't know yeah. he was a brad Rangan camp guy yeah it was just the four of us huh anyways i was thinking maybe like randy gusto or like some of the, anyway i'm talking about guys we're talking about guys here that nobody's ever heard of and some of them you right. can't even google so <laughs> anyways so jerry uh on, like uh moving forward just a little bit um do you remember the first time you and i met um i can't remember the exact the exact occasion what was it? Well, I mean, I just remember, okay, my first memory of you is just uh, at from Ropers. It was me showing up at Ropers. I had a match with uh, with Ricky, with Ricky Rice, who was one half of the okay. Top Guns. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember, I think you were wrestling Matt Derringer or something like that. But uh, it wasn't, I, I, I can't remember... Uh, how long it took before you and I worked together, but it was like we, when Jerry and I first touched, it was like we'd already Natural worked chemistry. a million times. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Where do you think that came from? I don't know, Jerry. Water. Well, I think it was, well, Sean went through uh, Malenko's camp 
you know, and I went through Brad's and I think both camps were great. And I think we both got trained very well. Properly. Yes. When, when... Well, yeah, you know, I think, I think both camps really, uh, hit on basic fundamentals, which nowadays you don't see a lot of camps do that. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is when, when guys are trained properly, they can, it's, it's when two guys are, are trained well, it's so it's so much easier to to mess well right off the bat and have good chemistry Wait, and be able to go out there. Tell, and, yeah, you can tell right when you lock up with someone whether it's going to yeah. be good or not. And the thing about uh, Minnesota is, and there was a lot of talent that came out of there, Jerry, but some of them weren't trained very well. They ended up being good workers down the road, like Rick, like Rick Rude ended up being great, but mm-hmm. you know the training wasn't the best for some of those guys. Right. And when I first went there, I wasn't used to working with guys like that. All the guys I worked with came out of Malenko's, and so it was almost like, well, not like working with yourself, but you know what I mean, Jerry. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, back then there, there weren't near as many camps as there are nowadays either. So it was, you know, back then it was kind of still hard to break into the business. Yeah. And I just, uh, Jerry, when when uh, when you and I were were doing our thing, and it was called Pro Wrestling America, that was the group Eddie Sharkey uh, had. It was, you know, we did pretty well. We drew pretty well, like I, I thought. Sometimes we drew better than AWA. Well, we, we would, you know, the Ropers or Georges and Fridley, whichever you want to call it, we had that place standing room only, so it, yeah. it was some exciting times. And I've I've told you this before. I think uh, that was some of my favorite work in my entire career. And I, you know, and and I know we weren't completely polished and new, and we we didn't still didn't know what we were doing at the time, and we had an idea. But yeah. uh, I think it was some of my favorite work because, like I told you before, you and I would get together a lot and watch videotapes of whatever we could find That's back right. then. Yeah. And then we would implement it into our matches and our style. And we still had the people thinking we hated each other's guts. That's right. Even though we were, we hung out and we were like best friends, it, like we were pretty much together every day. A lot of people, like, well, most, almost everyone doesn't know that. Jerry and I worked together at, the it was the classy strip club strip club in ah, downtown Minneapolis at the time. This is it was, what we want to hear. Yeah, about. at the time it was called Solid Gold. Yes, and uh, Jerry, I, I was still seventeen actually oh when uh, when I first came to Minnesota, and Jerry, uh, I believe you put in a word for me there and got me a job there, doing and and actually, Jerry gave up his spot as the follow spot follow spotlight guy like security me, with yeah. the flashlight yeah do you remember that jerry you gave me your job oh i don't remember giving you my job but uh i remember i was doing that maybe i do remember now yeah you just started <laughs> roughing you started doing the refereeing and then i started That's refereeing. Right. yep yeah yeah those were some fun times you know uh for me, working around a bunch of naked ladies when I'm I'm just turning eighteen. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm just turning eighteen. I never got laid the whole time I worked there. What? But no, possible? come on, I'm the young kid. I'm I'm eighteen. I look like I'm fifteen. Jerry, you can back me up on this. There's a picture oh, yeah. there's a picture of you and I uh I'm working you over into the ropes. Marvin Marvin Rubin, Marvin Joel Rubin sent me a couple of pictures of you and I, Jerry. And uh, what you're you're like up against the ropes with blood, and I've got your blood like dripping out of my mouth, and a uh, big smile on yeah. his face. 
And uh, it's I in, think I have that picture too. You probably do. You probably. I don't know if. You, well, actually, you probably have this other one. Marvin sent me a, a picture he took of you when you first started, and you have some really cute little underwear on there, Jerry. <laughs> yeah, I was wearing the short trunks at the time. Yeah. Was that when you very first, uh, I mean, did you just get out of camp at that point? Probably, you yeah. You must have. For Marvin to talk you into posing for a picture like that, you must have just gotten out of camp. Uh, probably. <laughs> There's a lot of pictures I probably got talked into posing for. <laughs> me too. Not, nothing like people are thinking, trust me. But, I mean, just silly, stupid right. shit. Let's go well, back to you know what? And I've always yeah. hated taking pictures, you know, and, yeah. which is weird being in the entertainment industry, but I've always hated it. So as the years went on, well, especially later on in my career, I would get more silly and stupid and do the just stupid stuff. Yeah. And it would be always the stupid stuff that would end up in magazines and stuff. Sure. Jerry, uh, Jerry and I, I'm looking at this. Jerry, Jerry and I, we would go to the gym together, and I just had the hardest time with gains back then. But Jerry, mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, for smaller guys, Jerry, pound for pound, is one of the strongest guys I've ever seen, like, I remember you doing chin-ups with like three three forty-five pound plates hanging, two or three of them hanging from your uh, from your waist. Like that's insane. I can barely do five or six. That may have been dips. No, it wasn't. No, you were doing was chins. You were doing oh. chins. You were doing chins. Well, yeah, I was, I was probably doing a little gas too. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we couldn't afford it at the time very much. Shit, that... You know what, though? Back then, you pretty much had to to get looked at because back then when we broke in, majority of the guys were, you know, well over six yeah. foot tall and 250 pounds. Yeah. And there was there was a lot of indie shows I'd go to. I'd walk in the locker room and the guys, some of the guys would be looking at me, wouldn't even say hi or nothing, would just look at me like, what are you doing here? You mean those you guys know? that are still waiting for their phones to ring? Those guys? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Them. <laughs> well, Jerry, since you're talking about your size anyway, I want to rewind just a little bit. And I know you grew up a wrestling fan, but never really thought that getting in the ring would be a possibility for you because of your size. What changed your mind? What made you go for it? Um, a friend of mine started dating a wrestler, and he was uh, did the Russian gimmick, Sold Out Ustinov, oh, yeah. in Jim AWA. Jim Lanning, yep. yep. And so we went to go to a... Uh, Ed Sharkey show at the Bell Ray Ballroom in Fridley one night to go watch him. And uh, and uh, after watching some of the other matches, I thought, man, my brother and I beat each other up better th- than this in our uh. front yard, you know. And uh, I'd, I'd met Jim after the show, and I told him, you know, I'd always loved wrestling. He says, well, you should give it a shot. I said, no, I'm too small. And he says, no, they match up you. With, you know, they'll match you up with guys your size. And uh, he said, uh, why don't you come down and see Eddie's camp? So I think later on that week I went down and he introduced me to Eddie and stuff. And, and you know, I was probably 150 pounds soaking wet at the time. I hadn't worked out since high school. And this was a few years after high school. So I just thought, I just put it on the back burner. And, you know, now that I found out how you get into wrestling, I thought I'll just start working out again and maybe in a couple of years, I think I'm ready. I'll pursue it. And then a couple of years later, that's when uh, Todd, I was working with him, and he found out about Brad, Brad's camp. And I thought, all right, what the heck? So, I took out a loan and went through camp. Oh, I'm, I'm, wondering, loan. I'm wondering what uh, made you decide to pass over Eddie's camp and go to Brad's. 
That might be a, because, that might be know, a rhetorical I loved, question. I, I love Eddie, you know, and everything, and he gave me a lot of work on the indies and stuff and made it possible for us to, you know, do our thing. But at the time, I could tell he just wanted my money yeah. because he was feeling my arms and going, well, he, he's pretty athletic and, you know, whatever. But, I, you know, I knew there was no way, the way I looked and all that then and so you're pretty sure that so, like you're pretty sure that Eddie looked at you and didn't didn't see too much potential. No, I just think he saw the dollar sign. Oh, I got you. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and then when I found out about Brad's camp, you know, I'd known who Brad was just from watching the AWA and stuff and knew his reputation and I thought, well, if I want to be trained, I want to be trained by this guy. Yeah. So how long ago like how long after you uh you know when you finished Brad's camp? How long was it? So it was like a year after you finished camp when I met you, right? Maybe. And yeah. eighty nine. And eighty nine is when I first came to Minnesota. Okay. Yep. Probably then. Yeah. Mm. No, it was probably because I, I finished Brad's camp. I think March, May, of eighty eight. How'd you get your first booking? I, I think maybe Todd. I mean, not Todd. Uh, Tom Burton. Huh? He actually. Starting out, got me a lot of work. He got me uh, doing squash matches for the AWA. We would go get the ring. We'd set it up at the arena. Then we'd do our squash matches. We'd tear down the ring and bring it back. And then there's after a couple of those, that was at the Rochester Civic Center. That's right. Then I, we even did one where we hauled the ring up to Alexandria for a house show. And uh, um, I'd never refed before, and they needed a referee. So they had me ref uh, Wendy Richter and Judy Martin. Oh, nice. nice. And I was scared to death. I was like, I've never ref. And Judy says, just listen to me. I'll talk you through it. And I'll tell you what, I learned so much just from Judy. It was incredible. Judy I'll never forget great. that. Judy was great. I hope Judy and I Leilani hope I can Kai. run into her someday and thank her. Oh, yeah. yeah. Judy and Leilani Kai, the Glamour Girls, were fantastic. Mm. Excellent uh, wrestlers. Period. I was going to say female yeah. wrestlers, but just pro wrestlers. Period. But so, hey, so Jay, that night I yeah. did that. Wrestled the match. We tore the ring down. Brought it back and whatever. And then uh, I don't. I think it may have been Tom. Got uh, my very first match. Actually, first three matches were all in the same night, and it was in Christie's hometown in New Ulm, Minnesota. Oh, that's right. And it was. Uh, it was a TV taping for Jim Cook's IWA. And I think Tom may have got me that gig. I'm not sure. But I had three matches that night. The first match was a tag match. Me and I don't know, remember who the guy was against the Terminators, Wolf and Riggs. That's right. Wolf and Riggs. And they were a couple of big boys. Wolf must have been six foot eight. I didn't like know that. Wolf, but I knew Riggs, Dan Rignati. He was, he was cool. Yes. Yeah. But uh, they were awesome. They took care of me. I was scared to death, you know, my first match. And the second match I had was a six-man against uh, Derek Dukes, uh, Tom Zink, and Steve Olsonowski. Yeah. And then the third match, I got to have a singles match with Tom. So huh. Derek Dukes, by the way, one half of one half of the one half of a version of the Top Guns. Derek mm-hmm. Dukes was the black guy in, uh, in one version. Oh. So. Is that with uh, John Paul? Yeah. With John Paul? Yeah. I just spilled coffee everywhere, Jerry, all over the place. (laughs) This is the second week in a row I've done it, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm just going to, 
I'm just going with it. We'll start uh, with it. Well, that's pretty cool. I remember my grandpa saying that he would go to wrestling shows at the Armory around that time. Oh, wow. Well, he may have seen me get beat up. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, what is there anything that sticks out to you? Like, what sticks out to you the most when you think about those first few matches? Um, I guess what sticks out to me, I guess, is like you had big monster guys like the Terminators, and they took care of you out there. Because years as the years went by, and a lot smaller guys got in the business, and I've said this in seminars, two of the lightest guys I've ever wrestled was Ming and Barbarian in WCW. I mean, yeah. I, it was incredible. Talk about two professionals, and that have nothing to prove. Two of the biggest badasses but on the planet. Two of the most dangerous and, human beings on the face of the earth, period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just light as a feather and took care of you. You could work those guys for five years straight every day and still be walking and singing and dancing. And then you get in the and ring then, with me and we beat the living <laughs> crap out of each other. Well, that was different. But, uh, but you know, years later, when a lot of smaller guys broke in, are in the business and stuff, and the, the styles, you know, the... The physicality of the wrestling has changed a lot and stuff, but you'd have, I, I can't tell you how many guys would be in the ring and they're gassed up to 185 and trying to beat me up for real because I work strong style. I, I And I go, no, you work retard style. We're supposed <laughs> to be taking care of each other out here. Yeah. I'm like, why do you want to hurt me for real? You know, it, it just got ridiculous. So when I think in the first matches, I just thought, when I think back, it just reminds me of how you used to really take care of each other out there. Yep. Well, you two must have gotten pretty good at that. Uh, taking care of each other? Yeah. Well, in some ways. In other ways, we really, like, I mean, seriously, I'm, I watched uh, some, those slaps we used to hit each other with, those open open hand slaps to the head and to the face were ridiculous, Oh, that was, only, that was for that Mick Karch's Saturday Body Slam review, wasn't it? No, we did, we did it in the ring, too, in one match, like, early oh. on, too. And, I mean, I remember my... I think I was. I, I I think I hit you harder than you hit me, and I was think I was knocked out. I think we were both knocked I, I, out on our feet. <laughs> I think I heard ringing for a while. Right, and then okay, and then the ring that we used to have to wrestle in mm-hmm. on these on these bar shows. Oh lord, what was it like oh. fourteen feet, fourteen foot ring, and it was just oh, it was so hard. It well, and so the apron hard. was only a foot and a half off the floor yeah. too, so it could fit in low ceilings, and and, and it was a. Stiff ring, and I'm we're watching the match you and I had from there right now on the vid, on the oh boy yeah, and <laughs> there's so much cigarette there's so much cigarette smoke. It was back in the days when you could still smoke inside. Oh, oh my god, I hated that. Oh, but we had all the girls from Solid Gold would come watch these, these shows. Oh, of course, we had the hottest <laughs> woman of any wrestling show ever. I guarantee you, Jerry. How are you oh, not yeah. getting laid? By the solid gold girl. I was, I was, they want, they didn't want to bang me. No. Jimbo, no, I was a little kid. Did you fare better than Sean, Jerry, with the ladies? Uh, not much. <laughs> I, I had no game. <laughs> I was, back then I was still really shy and I was so shy. I, w- I had a hard time even looking at the crowd back then. Yeah, Jerry and I are, are like the no game, the, the no game brothers. <laughs> yeah, uh, I had no game. I still have but, no you game. Know, which, which probably kept me out of a lot of trouble. So. Right. Yeah. Hey, my first time, my first time being arrested was with you. Remember that, Jerry? 
Oh, yes, this has that, to be a good that, story. I think that was my first time, too. Because <laughs> I got it for uh, contributing to a minor. Con- contributing to <laughs> my, more than one. Can we, yeah, should we guess who this minor may have been, Sean? Me? Yeah. So this was alcohol consumption? Alcohol. We were in Apple River or something like okay. that. Somerset, Wisconsin. Somerset, Somerset Wisconsin. Wisconsin. We were tubing. And, you know, I think we were, we had finished up uh, tubing and pretty drunk. And we got, I don't know what happened. We ended up getting pulled over. It was my dumbass girlfriend going around the corner and spinning the That's tires. Her, Stephanie, her name was. Yeah. Stephanie. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And then when the cops opened your door, a beer can falls out. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I'm like, oh, no. We got arrested, but what a scam it, what a racket it was. I mean, it was like a revolving door. We walk in, like, one door, and we walk almost. It was a trailer. Yeah. They had a, a makeshift trailer out there, and that's how the the small town made all their money yeah. was by, you know, they knew everyone was out there drinking, yeah, but they tra- would just... A trailer with a credit card machine. everyone, get the money, and let them go. Yep. They just they had a credit card machine to run everybody's credit card to make sure that everybody uh, paid before they left. And um, I think I had to borrow money from you to get out of jail. Yeah. Do you remember how much it was? It was like 100 bucks, but it was 100 bucks more than I had. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think mine was like $180. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Fun times, though. Aww. It was great. And that's then, that's probably the most minor thing on your record, Sean. Actually, yeah. <laughs> Did you just go right back to drinking. You got out. Oh, uh, I don't know. Did that ruin? Did that ruin our our party for the rest of the day? I don't think so. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. Jeez. <laughs> because so, once we got back across the border into Minnesota, it was game on. Yeah. So, Jer, uh, do you remember when we? found out that we were going to work in Dallas at Sportatorium for GWF? I don't really exactly remember the moment. No, but I... You So you were in Memphis at the time? I No, I, I think when I found out... Because you started going to Global short before I did. No, I didn't. I no. thought you did a few months before. No, I didn't. We Because the first time I was there was for the tournament, and you were there, and... I, I beat you in the finals. That we, oh. we we went there at the same time. I thought you moved to I thought you moved to Memphis uh, later on, and th- and they couldn't afford to fly me down there at that point. That's why. Yes, I moved to Memphis because uh, that's one thing I learned early on was when the budget gets tight, they stop flying people in. So yep. I moved to Memphis or, or to Nashville because we would they were using a lot of Tennessee boys, and we would just drive down. Yeah, and that it was wasn't still an op- like a nine-hour drive, but it wasn't. It wasn't an option for me because I foolishly got attached and and became a father. At, well, I wasn't quite a father yet, but I was attached. Okay. Anyways, but that's another story. Uh, so yeah, that's what happens. Like, they're the first ones that go are the fly-ins. And so, I remember, yeah. uh, remember uh, Ropers when I broke my ankle in that match with you? Yes. We yeah okay we had a rematch after the the one that that just uh, showed a little bit mm-hmm. and so I'm on the floor I take a, a bump to the floor Jerry climbs to the top rope and he dives on me and when I catch him his his foot and en- well, ends up behind my someone, back someone spilled their drink yes. on the dance floor yeah. and I hit that puddle and it just 
rolled my ankle. Yeah, and so Jerry's ankle was broke, and then of course I get him back in the ring, and we're trying to be, you know, you know, we're tough. We don't, you know, because that's real. What we're doing is real. I told him. I told you, work my ankle. Yeah, and so. You know what I knew? I put Jerry in a figure four, and really, like, if it wasn't broken, I fucking made sure it was. <laughs> and we didn't know I what to do. I my ankle. Don't shoot on it. And then, and then, and then like, we're like, sitting there. We don't know what to do, trying to figure out what to do. And finally, Jerry just, there was no way other way out of it. I was supposed to do the job, mm-hmm. and Jerry ended up having to give up. It was funny, too, because I remember Kreitzman, he's asking me, he's going, do you give? Do you give? And finally, I go... Yes, he goes, really? (laughs) (laughs) I go, yes, ring the bell. Oh, it was funny. What's the promoter's reaction when you go back through the Oh, Eddie didn't care. care. You know, he let John and I pretty much practically book our own angle. That's right. We did, yeah, we did whatever we wanted and pretty much most of the legwork and promoting the damn things. But uh, one time. Oh, yeah. Did you tell those guys? We'd go to Kinko's, and you would, you yourself, you had the, you'd print up the tickets, and you would make the flyers. You printed right. up the flyers, and we go and drop flyers and tickets off at different places that would let us. And Sean did a lot of promoting. Yeah, I learned. Uh, I learned a lot. Like you know, I, I've said this before. It's always good to know every aspect uh, of the industry. You know, mm-hmm. from setting the ring up, uh, refereeing, promoting. It's just, then you don't have to be a slave to anyone, mm-hmm. you know. So, where were we? That's pretty cool. Well, no, I mean, that's oh. like pre-social media kinkos. Wow. Yeah, where were we, Jerry? Yeah. Christy was Oh, I was, gonna, I was brought up the broken ankle deal yes. because uh, that match wasn't, that was, a, I think, a couple months before, uh, I don't know how long it was before Global, but I was supposed to take six to eight weeks off, and I only took eight weeks off and started up wrestling again. So the whole time, and I, I came back too soon. So that whole time in Global, my ankle was bothering me really bad. And then uh, they had that light heavyweight belt on me. And one day I walked into the office and it was Eddie and uh, was Eddie Craig Gilbert? Johnson, maybe. Eddie Gilbert, yeah, he was booking tonight. So I walked in the office and I said to him, I said, is there any way we can get this belt off me tonight? I said, i got to give my ankle a break. And Eddie looked shocked. He looks at Craig Johnson and says, can you believe this kid? He's asking us to take the belt off him. Huh. But, uh, Who'd you drop it to, Chaz? Uh, Barry Horowitz. Oh. Huh. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 that was my first lesson in wrestling. Don't come back too soon from an injury. So. What was your, Jerry, what was your, um, what was your impression of uh, everything down, uh, you know, when we first went to Global, that was huge for me. Like, okay, I'm thinking, man, I finally made it. They, did you get a contract from them? I did, and it, I was guaranteed. No, I was guaranteed three hundred dollars a week. And and well, uh, you suck, right? <laughs> I was only getting like a, I think I was getting like a hundred and twenty-five or hundred and fifty. Oh, you were getting screwed, Jerry. That's bullshit. Well, I've never been good at negotiating. (laughs) No, you take take what we could get. Well, I always felt like I never had any leverage in negotiating. We didn't have any leverage at the time, Jerry. We took, if they would have told me 50 bucks, I would have said, okay, I just want to be on TV and I want to be in Dallas at the Sportatorium, Mm -hmm. you know? Right, right. Do you remember, what was your first initial impression, uh, you know? Uh, upon uh, seeing the Sportatorium live and in person. I was 
I was in awe. I just stood there and I looked looked around at the big at the building yeah. and I just imagined uh all the I mean, I just imagined a packed house during the Von Erich Freebird feud and I was just in awe. I just you could just there was so much nostalgia in that building and I was I, it was just an amazing feeling just being in the building. Do you uh what did were you at all taken uh back by the the appearance and the condition of, of the venue? Um, I just thought it was just, I just thought, what a weird building. You know, first yeah. pulling up, it was like, a, what, a big giant pole shed or something, sure. you know? Yeah. And then uh, when you walk inside, it's like an uh, indoor amphitheater with all the benches concreted into the ground. And, all, the, and a lot of people don't know this, Jerry, and I don't know if you know this, but the ring was actually cemented into the ground there, the poles. Wow. Oh, yeah. Now, I'll never forget, there so many of the guys in Global would complain about how stiff the ring oh, was. And was I was awful. like, really? This it, is, I thought, this is nothing compared to Eddie's ring. It was still, <laughs> it, Jerry, it was still really hard, man. And the ropes, oh, I know, I know. And the ropes, like, and I'm not a really tall guy at all. I'm six foot one, and um, the ropes were really low for me. Really low. Oh, yeah, the ropes were low. I kind of enjoyed that especially after doing some squash matches for WWF. Yeah. Who were, uh, who were some of the guys that in, in global that, uh, that you remember that stood out to you? Do you, uh, do you have any memories of Joe Pettacino? Yeah. Well, not too many. Cause he was always seemed to be busy in the office somewhere or something. But one of my fondest memories was always watching black Bart cut promos. Cause he he'd was- always have a big, plug a chew in his mouth and he'd start going off and that there big gumbo that you couldn't yeah. even understand a word he was saying but he was so entertaining i loved watching him do promos he was and when i when i first uh, saw black bart was actually when i first started watching wrestling and yeah i actually i copied some of his bumps i actually was inspired by some of the different Ooh. bumps that he took but um, we're not here to talk about Black Bart, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Your so, show, Sean. You can talk about whatever yeah, you want. We can go back to the strippers hey. if you want. Yeah. Well, that's what that's what uh, uh, one of the things I always hated over the years is that when guys would talk about the marks in a very derogatory way, and I'd be like, "Well, hey, I'm still a mark. Me too. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't a mark. You know. Yeah. So I'm, I'm. I'll always be a fan." Yeah, I'm not. A, I, I I don't like, and I'm not afraid to correct someone when they, when they talk down to to our fans, to the people that support us. And you know, a mm-hmm. mark mark is not is not a bad term. I'm a mark, and no. uh, and that's I'm happy to be one. If you know, yeah. I mean, I'm yeah, a huge dude. fan of wrestling. Still, it's frankly, cool. Sean, I've been a, I've been a mark my entire life. Yeah, you have, <laughs> Mark Donica. Anyways. <laughs> Well, Jerry, you mentioned um, doing some matches for WWF. I think we're about getting to that point. Were, you guys weren't there at the same time? Well, no. What happened? No, no, no. This was way early. This yeah. was like, mm-hmm. uh, it was probably about the same time I was doing squash matches for the AWA. It was, Tom actually got me the gig doing squash matches, with, and Eddie Sharkey got us gigs doing squash matches for WWF at the don't say us. On. Don't be. Don't be saying us gigs because I never got. I mean, not you. I never I'm got sorry. one of those gigs because they wouldn't have me, Jerry. Because I didn't look. I didn't look. You know, t- like I looked like a little kid. They didn't want somebody like me to be the job guy. 
You weren't you weren't tough uh, enough no. looking for him. I, yeah. I looked like a little kid. I didn't look the part, mm-hmm. and I was, it wasn't well, like I was. I was surprised they used me. Uh, I'm not. I'm not because you actually look like you know. If you're not just your you know stature and your 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 shape and your you know your build, you actually look like a wrestler. Yeah, more than I did. But I was only like 185 pounds. Right. I'll never forget the first time I went to do squash matches for him. I walked in the locker room and there's a one man gang. He was a, a Akeem at the time mm-hmm. with Big Boss Man as the Twin Towers. Yeah, and he's in the locker room. I see him. And I, I go set my bags down. I'm sitting in my chair, and I see. And here's one man gang. He's wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt and playing with a yo-yo. And standing next to him was Rick Rude and Kurt Henning, waiting for their turn to play with that yo-yo. And I'm sitting there watching this, and at first I'm thinking, "Holy crap, this, these guys are big," you know. And yeah. I'm thinking, if, if the fans could only see this, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And back then, it, it it didn't take much to entertain you because there was no cell phones. There was there wasn't even disc man yet, you know. There was nothing, so you did whatever you could to entertain yourself because those were some long days at the buildings then too. Kurt Hennig never well, had Kurt Henning never had a problem coming up with something to oh, entertain no, the boys. Never, never. And uh, so after I see these guys, well, in comes uh, earthquake and uh, typhoon, and I'm like, holy crap! You know they're bigger. And then in comes Big John Stud, and he's even bigger. And then who comes in next? Andre the Giant. And I'm just like, uh, here I am seeing the largest men on the planet, and it is just incredible. I'm thinking, God, they're probably not going to use me. But I ended up, my first squash match with them was a big boss man and a team. Oh, I bet you that. With Ray Brown. Oh, wow, yeah, partner. that would have been nice. I mean, as far as squash matches go, that would have been two guys I would have... Uh, like oh. to be in there with, yeah. That's another thing that was amazing was they were light as a feather, and yeah. it looked like they were destroying me, and it was just amazing, you know. Ray Trailer, big boss man, and I miss him very much. What a amazing human being, uh, yep. amazing worker, amazing. And, yeah, he, and, and you he, wouldn't know just, a, you wouldn't know just huh? how great he was, and I, people know that he was great, but they don't know how great because they weren't in the ring with him. Yeah, and then he even uh, handcuffed me to the rope and beat me with a stick, and you still didn't feel a thing. Yeah, it was, he was—he was really good. Yeah, Jerry. So getting back to uh, GWF and my big money contract, I just assumed—I <laughs> assumed you had one too. So when they when they told me that they could no longer pay me, um, I didn't know what to do, and so that's when. Uh, thank God, because I had a baby on the way. Thank God, uh, you know, Bruce Kreitzman, the referee in Florida. Uh, he was also a photographer that did some photography work for Japanese magazines. He hooked us up with Wally Yamaguchi uh, yep. from Kayantai fame. And Wally was uh, used to be Giant Baba's right-hand man in All Japan Pro Wrestling. Then he left and was one of the top people as far as booking guys and the referee for universal pro wrestling which was ultimo dragon's company with uh uh shinma hisatsune shinma his name was and he was the son of hisashi shinma who was the president of new japan pro wrestling he was 
uh, Antonio Inoki's uh, business partner and also is the one that broke off from New Japan and started uh, original UWF with Tiger Mask and, and everything. So we were working for his son, Shima Jr., I called him. <laughs> Shima, because he had like a, he had this stutter, a nervous stutter. Anyways, was have you ever met a bigger, like, and I'm, I'm this I am using in a uh, derogatory way, bigger mark in your life? <laughs> uh, probably not, no. Yeah, but I am grateful, Thank Jared. God for him. He gave us a lot of work. He damn right. Okay, here's how much I, I was. I'm pretty sure you were making the same. We were making a grand a week. Yep. Wow. A grand a week. Okay. And I you know can what? barely they, live on a grand a week over there. In yeah. Japan? They yes. worked us to death, too. We'd be on a three week tour. You'd work every day. Yeah. And, uh, Jerry. What are what are your first memories of going over there? Because I went over there first, and uh, I was only supposed to go for one uh, one match, and I got over pretty good. I worked with Dick Togo, okay, and kind uh, type yeah, kind type fame, and uh, <clears throat> then the, I was GWF champion still at the time, and um, after that I came back, and that's when I dropped it to Jerry in the two out of three fall match. And so when Jerry and I went back to Japan together for Universal Pro as as a tag team, Jerry was the GWF light heavyweight title <laughs> champion. That's yeah. awesome. So and we had some Yeah, and then we had they some put amazing us in a matches, big huh? with uh Takuyama and Hakiyoshi, Jado and Gato. Gato and Jado and then Or Gato and Jado. Yeah. Uh, who who are like the bookers of New Japan and and Noah. There, right? Respectively, still there? Yes. Oh yeah, Gato's definitely the top guy as far as you know. He's the shot caller, the big baller <laughs> in New Japan Pro. But those guys were great, and especially Gato Takayama. And then what happened was um, they brought in Pat Tanaka, and they teamed uh, Gato and Pat Tanaka, and they called them the New Orient Express. And Jerry and I worked with them a lot, mm-hmm. and we had some great mm-hmm. matches. Jerry, do you wish to yep. comment? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if they were great, but you know, we tried Jerry, to do our best. No, no. Look, I'm I have a pretty good memory, and the matches, the tag matches we had with 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 Pat and uh, and talk and uh, Takayama were excellent matches. They really were. Okay, you, I Dave, think Dave you have Meltzer a better memory there. than me. Dave Meltzer. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I don't remember some of the stuff till you start bringing it up, then it comes back to me. But I've been, you know, hitting the head an awful lot. Dave Meltzer was there live for, for it and, and gave it over four stars, and that's coming. That's a huge Dave deal. doesn't throw out four stars to just about to just oh, wow. anyone. So, okay. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, how come I have a better memory than you on this stuff? And I've, been, yeah. I've had like a million concussions and done way more drugs than you ever did. <laughs> I've, I've had a lot of concussions. Because I met that Chris Nowinski. Yes. Yeah. And I, I asked him, I said, uh, you think I could come out and get a free you know, brain scan? He says, sure. He says, you probably just have to pay a doctor's fee, but you could. And I said, because I know him four times where I've had concussions, because when I turned my head, it felt like a split second later, my brain would turn. He yeah. says, well, have you seen any uh, bright colors or flashes of light? I said, oh, yeah, dozens of times. He says, well, that's another form of concussion, and I go, I am so screwed. <laughs> I yeah. said, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jerry, but, uh, um, 
uh, back to the Universal Pro, and you were hitting, uh, you were talking a little bit about how tough the schedule was and the, how grueling the travel was. The bigger yeah. companies, New Japan and All Japan, uh, any any you know lengthy drive, they they wouldn't. You know they well they wouldn't drive as far as we do. We were taking twelve hour bus rides sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, and even that longer. one uh, six man tournament tour we brought Ricky Rice over with us. Yeah. That was a hell tour. That was brutal. Yeah, and the, the other companies would fly their guys or put them on the bullet train, and we were in the most uncomfortable bus ever. And we would we would uh, finally arrive in a town, and they wouldn't get us a hotel. <clears throat> Excuse me. They would either put us in a place called a Kinko Land, which was like this big old place where everyone went to have, they had like a bathhouse in there and like. Like a dormitory? No, like they had games and things you could do and they had a big cafeteria where you could eat. And then people would sleep in this big giant room on the floor with this big. Where they played movies. Played movies really loud so you couldn't sleep. Yeah. And you had to listen to. You had to listen to everyone snore. That's why Ricky Rice <laughs> called it the snoring chamber. Yes. And then one night they put us in the capsule hotel. Capsule hotels, yes. If you're not familiar with those, um, those... Is that where you get like a coffin to sleep it's in? Like, it looks right? like dog kennels, doesn't yeah. it, Jerry? Yeah, it's like a large dog kennel Wow. Yeah, and with you a get, TV mounted in it. Yeah, that you have to put 100 yen in to watch. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, so how did you guys survive that? You it was did. rough. We were young. We were young. <laughs> and, Jerry, do you remember the time that uh, we had we drove all the way to Sendai, mm-hmm. which is like a northern port on the main island? Mm-hmm. And do you remember we boarded this this ferry and and uh, sailed from Sendai yep. to, to Sapporo, which is the, yep. the, the island of Hokkaido, the northern island? Yeah. Through a yep, typhoon. Through a typhoon. Yeah, through a like I mean almost I, ty- almost a typhoon. I, I was lucky. I, I took some Dramamine because I'd never been on a oh. ship out in the ocean before. Yeah. And and uh it must have knocked me out or something because I slept great. And oh. when I got up, you had told me uh we went through a typhoon and I said, Really? Yeah. I said, Well, I'm glad I was asleep. Huh. So yeah, we're we're on this boat, right? Mm-hmm. And it's rocking and, and going, you know, hitting the waves so hard that we're in the, there's like a bathhouse part in the boat and the, all the water is spilling out of the bath, the baths and everything. It was just a complete mess and it sucked. And even on that boat, um, the promoter tried to get us to sleep on the floor somewhere. And, and like, that was when Jerry, there was a big meeting that happened, uh, that night on the boat. And that's when, yep. uh, that's, that was the end of universal pro and, the beginnings of Michinoku Pro, mm-hmm. correct? Because I remember, I don't know if it was that boat trip or I know it was probably the night of the Capsule Hotel. A lot of the Mexican wrestlers were pissed. Yes. Mm. And all, I know they all had a meeting. And yes. they said, and then after that meeting, it was no more Capsule Hotels. Right. And, and um, when we're talking about Mexican uh, wrestlers, we're talking about the cream of the crop. Yes, the legend. Dos Caras, El Hijo del Santo, Blue Demon Jr., uh, Vianos, Los Brazos, Kendo. I mean, big name talent here. So they had some clout to throw around. Yeah, and they're trying to make Dos Caras sleep on the floor. I can see doing that to us and some of the young boys. 
because I don't agree yeah, with it, but not, I can not see these it. Guys, though. Right. So that was pretty much. I think that was the end. And didn't I? I hurt. I separated my shoulder that night, and you got screwed on on your payoff. I'm pretty sure they never ended up paying you. I think yeah, the last trip I did get screwed. Yep. Wow. Oh yeah, they were. I I remember. They were like, we'll and send it to you. And I'm like thinking, yeah, right. Nobody, if you leave. And that was, that was the 10th tour. I, wait, was it? No, I'm trying to, 8, let's see, 9, 10. That was the 8th tour I went over for them. And I, you know, so how was I to think I was going to get screwed? Because I got paid every time before, you know? Yeah. And, and we're, and we're, you know, we're still really new and hadn't been, I mean, I, I, we got, you know, we got screwed on a payoff here or there, you know, here or there at, at, at the time. But it was smaller little, you know, Bush yeah. League promoters doing it. Not, you know, you right. go to Japan and, you know, you hear all this thing about the honor and all that over there. and So you don't assume you're going to get yeah. screwed is what I'm exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, Dale Gagner still owes me 80 bucks. <laughs> Dale Gagner. I, you know what? Dale Gagner, who wait—is that the guy that used to run the fake shows? The fake, the fake AWA oh, shows, I'd and love then change his name. This guy, change his name to Ganya. Dale Gagne. Yeah. Yes. He would book shows and claim like Doink or Kane. Yes. And people were going to be there, and then he'd just dress up like an indie wrestler as Doink or Kane. Yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. No, I mean, see, the thing is, is we got some payoffs up at Dale Ga- Dale Gagner. And then, like, there was always, you know, when he would come around, you would get, like, two, three good shows. But you knew, like, eventually everyone's going to get screwed. Was, and I'll never forget, it was, I think, just north of Minneapolis. And the, I, Sheik and uh, Baron were on the show. And Baron they got paid. And then Dale gave me 20 bucks. He said he had to go get some more money. I should have known right then and there. But that's the first time I got screwed. And he flat out the back door and no one i'm lucky i got the 20 because most of the other guys didn't get anything yeah his name came up through my agent about a year ago or maybe a little bit more and i just said you know i don't really at this point in my life he said i want my money no i don't even if i got my money i don't want to be associated with something like that that might end up you know being a bad deal for like a local charity right. or something mm. like that so no oh thanks. yeah yeah no thanks but so jerry hey do you remember what uh when we did that photo shoot at that lighthouse up on that cliff in in, in uh duluth uh, up past duluth no in japan oh no no i don't i just remember they, I, I, it was when we were on the northern island and they took you and i they were going to do some big uh magazine article on yeah. it they took us out to this famous park or lighthouse up on this cliff and I, I'll never forget that because it was one of the most beautiful places on earth I've ever seen and you could see out down the and these cliffs were high yeah and out in the ocean you could see these big ships but they looked so tiny it was just and the sun was going down it was just amazing and and that that island the northern island uh Hokkaido mm-hmm. is really truly one of the most beautiful places on earth mm-hmm. it really is so and Jerry, we—I'm pretty sure they took us to this bear farm. Do you remember going to a yep. bear farm? Just some weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, bears would stand up and they'd wave, like <laughs> for you to throw peanuts at them. Yeah. yeah, they would gesture to you and throw it to me, throw it to me, because they'd all stand up and try and get all the food thrown to them. Jerry, um, how? So, I'm assuming that was your last, uh, your last shot for 
um, Universal Pro. How long did it take you to end up uh, going to Michinoku? Uh, I can't remember exactly. But I only went for Michinoku three times. And and you wore a mask and played played one of uh, one of Tiger Mask's rivals from the I cartoon. I only did the mask once during their Mask Man tour. What was the name of the mask? Not Mask Man tournament. It was called Gorgota Cross. And I didn't know it at the time. I just you know I had uh, before they brought me in for that tour. Brad had called me and asked me to come out to his camp and help train some of the guys. Yeah. And I said sure. And I. That's when I said to him, I said, Brad, I said, it's been seven and a half years. I said, what do I got to do to get a break? And he said, well, he says, it's all television now. He says, you got to come up with something that's visual that'll grab people's attention. And right away, I thought of all the mask gimmicks and, you know, we'd seen in Japan. And I thought yeah. no one in the States has been doing it. And so <clears throat> I was working at a screen printing shop at the time. And I had one of the guys in the art department help me come up with a gimmick. And he designed the JL gimmick. Yeah. And uh, I had showed Brad that. Well, first I had, uh, uh, I think I had gone to, uh, that's when I when I went to go do the mass tournament for Michinoku. I brought the outfit with me because I wanted to get a mask over there made. Right. The people who made my outfit didn't know how to make a mask. And so I showed the outfit to uh, Sasuke. And he says, please wear your outfit, but with their mask. And that way the people won't know who you are. Because I wrestled the first two shows with just my short blue trunks and their hood. Yeah. And so, uh, but I didn't know it at the time, but Gorgota Cross was a Mexican wrestler's gimmick. And I felt bad for wearing it then. But it, it was, a, I think, a cartoon or something. Uh, yeah, originally it, it, was a car, it was a cartoon character that was the nemesis uh, of Tiger, Tiger Mask. mask. Okay. So the Mexican guy, he stole it too. Basically. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so don't feel bad. So, so, and it was nice at the end of the tour, Sasuke hands me a, a mask he had made for me and Aww. says, here, this is for you. Didn't charge me or nothing. Aww. And back then, and he had it made by that premier mask guy in Japan too. So yeah. that mask would have probably cost me two hundred and fifty, three hundred dollars. At least, made. at least back then, even yeah. Whatever yeah. happened to yeah. it? Do you still have it? No, I ended up selling it after I got done with WCW. I ended up selling the whole outfit. I, I so I'd never have to wear it again. It was kind of a, it wasn't good memories. So, <laughs> oh, I understand. so Jerry, um, <clears throat> excuse me. At at uh, at one point, while we were still uh, doing shows for Eddie in in, uh, in Minnesota, Road Warrior Hawk ends up quitting WWF and uh, decides to go to New Japan, and uh, so he signed a deal at New Japan, and they decided they're going to make him a team with Kensuke Sasaki, and they called them uh, the Hellraisers. Hellraisers. Yeah, the Hellraisers. Yeah. Yeah, Road Warrior Hawk and Power Power Warrior, uh, and so the first match that uh, the Hellraisers were to have was going to be at Ropers and Fridley, that little bar that you saw us. Oh wow! Yeah, and so uh, they just came over and had a quick squash match against like this guy Randy Gusto and somebody I can't remember who, but uh, Jerry and I we ended up wrestling 
uh, Masa Saito and Brad Rangans. Do you remember that match? I do. Yep. That was fun, man. Um, what were you, what memories of uh, of being in there with, with Masa Saito? I remember opening up my big mouth and saying, "Can we wrestle Japan style?" Uh, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and Masa says, "What's Japan style?" Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the first clothesline he gave me, I think he about tore off my head, and I think he felt—I don't know if he felt bad or what, or if he didn't realize how short I was. Because the next time he clotheslined me, I jumped up, assuming it was going to be right at the throat, and he went low and got me like right in the rib cage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and my when oh. when. I, I started lighting him up when I was in there with him, and and I like I went to shoot him in, and I I said reverse clothesline me. That was a huge mistake, huge. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Being in that match uh, uh, ended up uh, ended up helping get me in the uh, New Japan Super Junior tournament. Mm-hmm. So, oh, cool. Yeah, and then like I'm pretty sure you were there right after I was for New Japan. Yeah. Um, I went there when I was in WCW and it was a nightmare and it it was horrible. I felt, you know, here was one of my goals to get over there for new Japan. And the second day on the tour, I broke my foot. So, uh, uh, black cat gave me some Percocet so I could keep wrestling. So I'd take a perk before each match so I could wrestle. But here I am, I got a broken foot and, uh, limping like crazy, you know, and the, it would wear off and then it was horrible. And then, I think after two weeks, I took off to drop kick one of the Mexicans, and he just moved on me because you know most of the matches were ad libbed, right? Except for the go home, you know. And uh, I landed straight up and down on my head and shoulder, and I messed my shoulder up. Well, the next morning, I could barely even get dressed, and so I asked uh, Masa if I could have just a day off to let my shoulder heal up a little bit, and he says, "No, nah, we'll send you home." I think he knew because of my foot I was messed up. Yeah. And here's the kicker, too. One of the days, we were in uh, Nagasaki, and uh, which is one of the cities we bombed in That's World right. War II, you know? Yeah. And walking anywhere, you could just still see and feel the hatred on everyone's faces. And I'm thinking, I wasn't even alive when this happened, you know? Yeah. Well, they bring me to this clinic to get x-rays on my foot, and it's like some third-world filthy, I mean, it didn't even look like a clinic. And then the doctor comes out and says to the guy who took me there, I don't know why he's crying. His foot's not broke. Well, when I get back to the States, just for, you know, for work, for WCW, I right away go to the hospital there in Atlanta, get my x-rays, and the x-ray tech, I don't even, it's not even the doctor, the x-ray tech comes out and says, so where does it hurt? And I said, right here. And they go, she goes, well, it should, it's broke. So I worked two weeks with a broken foot and then messed up my shoulder, got sent home a week early. So it was just a disaster. And even Brad called me and asked what happened. And I told him, he says, well, why didn't you say something right away? I said, you know, I. It's kind of weird. I mean, uh, right or wrong, it's kind of instilled in us not to say anything i mean right I, I mean, yeah it wasn't written down it wasn't a written rule but it's kind of you kind of get the, the impre- you kind of get the impression that you shouldn't say anything yeah yeah no and then you don't want them to think you're a pussy, a pussy and yeah. the show must go on yeah. and you know 
especially your first so, time over uh, for the company, you know. So, I but yeah, it. my first yeah. time, it ended up being a disaster. Yeah. Well, hurting your shoulder was like a blessing in disguise because if you would have just got that little time off and then kept wrestling with a broken foot, who knows? Yeah. So, but Jerry, before the before the WCW stuff, like, and you know, after I was done with with Global, you were down in Memphis for a minute, and and you were a tag team with Cody Michaels, right? Yeah, yeah. And who was Cody related to? I don't know. No, he was like cousins of somebody or or something like that. Like in Memphis? No, like or a wrestler, where? like an older. Oh, gosh. But I'm I'm right. It's somebody like Dom. It wasn't Dom Danucci. It was it was it was. Anyways, I don't know. Maybe yeah, you're right. I think now that I remember, you've got such a good memory. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it unbelievable? <laughs> <laughs> how how was how was Memphis the first time uh, back then? It was a learning experience. I'll tell you that it was, and you know I'm I'm glad I did it, and I was glad I had a credit card because the the schedule was grueling. You know, you were working six days a week when at the time you're only getting $50 a night. What you had, what and, you had to use your own credit card. You didn't have a rat. Well, I, uh, <laughs> I told you I had no game. Yeah. Did we go over this already? No game. <laughs> yeah. No, just... And I was actually, I was living on Tom Burton's couch. I was paying him like $75 a month. Is all he, asked for. he charged you 75 for the couch. Was he living with? Yeah. Was Tom Burton used to be married to Candy Devine? Oh, really? Well, they yeah. never actually got married, uh, but they were like a married couple. Yeah. And at that time, he, he well, no, when I first went down, he wasn't even dating Candy yet. Hmm. It was a different gal. So, Why can't I remember her name? Because who were your uh, who were your opponents when uh, when when you were working down in Memphis? Oh. Doug Gilbert, you know, Tony Anthony, Tom, I'm trying to think some of the others. Oh, I'll never forget. Uh, oh, <laughs> the Mid-South Coliseum one night, we worked the Pit Bulls yes. from ECW. They were rolling through just so they just got put on the one show. And uh, this taught me, always check out the ring before the show. And... Uh, so we're working the pitfalls. We we're you know, having doing some fun stuff, did a dive and stuff. And then one of them goes to put my head in the apron. Yeah. And, you know, I would usually contact the matting, you know. Yeah. Just gotta, you know, because you're so close to the fanfare and stuff. Well, this ring didn't, the matting didn't go over the edge, the angle iron or anything. So I put my head right into the angle iron and I had a big goose egg and a gash and yeah. started bleeding. And uh, after the match, I get in the back, and uh, they see me. And they're like, what happened? I said, well, I hit the angle iron. You know? And they actually got hot because the main event was having color. And huh. so they didn't want any other matches to have color, and they got pissed off. And I'm just like, it's an, it was an accident, you know? Yeah. Mm. So I just, you know, taped it shut, and that was it. Gotta love those, but, uh, gotta love those death trap rings. And, and the thing is, is... That's the one thing, and I love Memphis wrestling, but the one thing I hated about it, Jerry, and and it went for their their TV show too, is the ring looked absolutely horrible. It was oh. the biggest piece of shit, not only safety wise but looks wise. 
Really? Oh, yeah. You, you can't he, put a turnbuckle and, you know, pad they, on, a, on a freaking I'll never forget, they didn't have cushions for turnbuckles. Yes. It was duct tape just tape. wrapped over the metal. Yeah. What? <gasps> wow. And we're talking about a TV show. Like, and then, ah. Uh, it was just such a pet peeve. The bar ring looked better than that. Yeah. Or there would be, you know, like two turnbuckle pads and then one missing on the bottom. It was just, <laughs> come on. Really? <laughs> People are paying to come and watch this or they're spending their time to watch it on TV. I don't, I just, I never understood that, Jerry. Never understood you know, that. Or I always hated when a ring didn't have an apron and you could see under it. Yeah. Yeah. What are we got? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? <laughs> trying to think who else I worked on. I'll never forget. Um, it was near the end when I kind of figured out it was time to go home. They brought in Eric Embry. Yeah, to book. And I don't. I don't know who, who else is new heels. Yeah. And so they had me pretty much get squashed by Eric Embry, and uh, I remember Jamie Dundee was the ref, and on the finish, Jamie gets the one. Too, and he goes, pull the tights. And Eric Henry's like, F you. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, this is just fun. Right. And and I I kind of figured, I knew their, their little routine there, and I kind of figured it was time to go. And plus, uh, I was driving Tom's old dirty white mobile, and that thing was a gas guzzler. Uh-huh. And, you know, there's so much driving on that schedule. And so I kind of knew it was time to go, and so... I asked uh, Eddie Marlin, I said, uh, and you know me, I don't care about uh, losing or anything like that. You know, pin me, pay me. It all pays the same. Sure. But I wanted to learn how to work, you know, I did, you know, and I'd already done squash matches with AWA, WWF. And, you know, I, I went down there because I wanted to learn how to work. And uh, I asked Eddie Marlin, I said, uh, so uh, are, are you guys going to just start squashing? me and Cody now or you know or what <clears throat> and uh and I said because I came down here to learn how to work and I told Eddie you know I'd already done squash matches for KWA and WWF and stuff and he says and I said I came down here to learn how to work and he says well this is the plus, best place to learn how to work and I said well you know are you, are you going to just start squashing us or what and I said because if you are I, I think I'm going to go home because yeah. and the houses were starting to get a little down I can't remember, because it, it was near, I think it was like in February or something, February or March, and uh, he says, well, you know, now's the time to really stick around, because the houses are going to start picking up, Yeah. and I said, I don't know, I said, or, or I can't remember, right before that, he said, when I said, you know, are you just going to start jobbing us out, he says, well, I haven't heard from the office, and Oh God! At that moment, I thought he thinks like I'm a complete idiot because yep. he is the office, you know. I haven't heard and from the, I, I don't thought, know. I'm, I'm not some typical stupid jabroni, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, at that moment in time, that just made up my mind when he said, "I haven't heard from the office." I knew it was time to go, so I said, "Well, I said after this weekend, I'm going to head home." Well, and yeah, the nice thing was, he gave me the number and address or whatever whoever in the office was cutting the checks and they actually did send me and mailed me my last check. Oh, very cool. Huh. Very cool. Do you yeah. have, a, do you remember, did you deal with Jerry Jarrett at all? No, not a lot back then. It was mostly, uh, it was mostly Eddie. And here is the scary part. Eddie's the one who called me and said, come on down and brought me down there. Right. And the first show, 
Eddie did a disappearing act. He wasn't around for two weeks. Now, we're not talking and about was, Eddie Marlin. We're talking about Eddie Gilbert now, right? Right. Eddie yeah. Gilbert, yes. And I'm thinking, I am screwed. Eddie Gilbert brings me down, and all of a sudden, he disappears for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah, and that was right around the time. Because I, I was at a convention with Eddie Gilbert uh, a, not long after that. And, like, he was acting fairly irrational like i didn't i'd never been around people that were on different substances before like that and so i didn't know mm-hmm. what was up but it wasn't long after that that he'd passed so right but it was i i, I tell you what jerry it was an honor uh to, to oh. just be around the guy like what, a, what tell me about it. he guy. was one of my favorites of all time to watch and it, i was just floored when he actually called me and wanted yeah. me to come down to Memphis. I was just, I just thought, man. Wasn't it an honor to be like, to have somebody like Eddie Gilbert tell you they like your work and, you know. Yes. I mean, wow, yes. Eddie Gilbert just told me that. And here's the thing about Eddie Gilbert, really small guy that didn't work small. He was really smart. He knew how to work um, as a main eventer, even in a small body. And that's, yeah. you for everyone out there, uh, that's on the smaller side that, you know, doesn't like to be pigeonholed into working a cruiserweight division or whatever. Watch how Eddie Gilbert worked. Watch how he worked. That's how mm-hmm. you should be working. Not exactly yep. like it, but, you know, take, you know, take just watch that. And that's, Eddie Gilbert's just amazing. Take some notes. All yeah. right. Well, so, Jerry, did you head home to Minnesota after that? Yeah, after both. Memphis and global because uh, Memphis it was you know tough travel schedule because you had Sunday off and I lived in Nashville because that was right in the center of the whole territory and so Sunday was off Monday you'd drive from Nashville to Memphis through Mid-South Coliseum but you'd drive right back to Nashville after the show because Tuesday night you were in uh, Louisville at the gardens and you usually stayed overnight there because Wednesdays you were in Evansville, Indiana at the Coliseum there. And then right after that show, head back to Nashville because Thursday and Friday were spot shows anywhere from Mississippi, Arkansas, Alabama, wherever. Right. And depending where that was, you a lot of times would stay there because Saturday morning was live Memphis TV. And then right after that, head to Nashville for Saturday night at the fairgrounds. And that was every week. And so... I was just putting all my gas on my credit card and then, you know, some food. And I wouldn't stay at, I think only in Louisville, I would stay at a hotel. And, uh, but everywhere else, like there was a lot of times on the way back from Memphis to Nashville, I couldn't make it all the way. I'd pull off the interstate, pull onto the entrance ramp and park on the shoulder and take a couple hour nap and then hit the road again. Jerry, at that time, were you a father yet? No, because that was in the winter of 90 and 91, and Erica was born in 93. Huh. I don't know why I, I thought you were I thought you were a father bef- around the same time I was, but I guess, I was, see, I don't remember everything correct, do I? <laughs> <laughs> but when, when I mean, it wasn't that long after that, and how, how did that affect uh, um, the career, Jerry? We never that talked about hard. a lot of this that stuff. That made it. That made it a lot harder because when I got the deal with uh, Atlanta with WCW, because yeah. at first I was on a, just a nightly deal. So they were flying me from Minneapolis and 
Then when I messed up my arm, I was out for nine weeks. And when I came back, they gave me a, a year contract but said I had to move to Atlanta. Yeah. So I moved to Atlanta, but I was flying home once a month to see Erica. And a lot of those plane tickets were like $800 because I never knew Ooh. what weekend or when I could take a half off until the last minute. And so I'd have to buy the plane tickets at the last minute. I couldn't do like a two week advance. Yeah. So that, you know, ate up a lot of money just flying back to see Erica. So, and then, uh, um, after WCW was done, I didn't, I, then I think I moved to Orlando because I thought if any wrestling doors didn't open up, I could get some, try and get some stunt work at Disney or Universal or something. That's not a bad, then, yeah, that's not a bad huh? idea. Yeah. That's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Flor, Florida living is, is cheaper than a lot of areas in the country. No state taxes. Right. But I was lucky that Paulie went uh, right after WCW was done. I had a tryout match with Taka Michinoku for WWF. Right. And it was it was initially going to be a Monday Night Raw, but it was preempted because of the Westminster Kennel. Every <laughs> year, Jerry. Every year, we yep. used to get so pissed. Once a year, we used to get so pissed because we had the highest rated show. Yeah. On, yep. on USA, and they would preempt us for the dog show. But that was before I was a huge dog lover. <laughs> now I totally get it. Now I totally yeah. get it, Jerry. My Every, favorite part year, is watching can... the handlers run alongside the dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used but, to drive uh, me nuts. So it ended up being one of them Friday night specials. Yeah. Shotgun, so, shotgun well, Saturday night? No. Or, no, it'd be not when they like, like, oh, it was going to be on Friday this gotcha. week. All right. But uh, so when uh, Paul Heyman saw that match, he knew I wasn't under contract with WCW anymore, so he had Candido get a hold of me, and then and Candido called me and said, hey, uh, Paulie wants to know if you want to come in for a couple shots. And here's the funny thing. When I was in WCW living in Atlanta, I'd get together with my buddy and uh, – I think it was at like 2 o'clock in the morning we watch ECW. On Sports Channel America or something like that? Probably. Yeah. And I swore up and down. I said, that is one company I will never work for. Because uh-huh. these guys are getting each other in the head with frying pans and microwave ovens and anything the fans would hand them over the rail. And then I'm sitting there watching uh, Balls and Sandman trade chair shots, yeah. and I'm going, I will never wrestle there. And so when Candido calls me up and says, hey, Paulie wants to know if you want to do a couple shots, I go, okay. I go, here's how much I want. And I go, one more thing. I said, I don't want some idiot hitting me in the head with a frying pan. Right. And Kate says, no, no, we got our wrestlers and we got our brawlers. And I said, okay. So I, I lucked out that a wrestling door opened up then. And, and Jerry, uh, your, your run in ECW was, was stellar. And uh, can you talk about what was different working with Paulie? And that, and how he used you as compared compared to, uh, you know, some of the, the other companies. Well, I guess Paulie was always just a genius at, you know, using people's strengths to their benefit and then and hiding their their weaknesses. You know. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and I you know I wish I'd have had more time to work for work with Paulie. I was kind of pissed off at the end when I got screwed out of so much money, but 
I, you know, when I think about it, I wish I could have had more time to work with them and stuff. And I kind of felt bad. There was so many times where, you know, he'd want me to do promos at the time and stuff. And I just, at the time, I wasn't interested in cutting promos. You're pretty disgruntled. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I get, and I, I guess at the time, you know, I guess. How can I put this? You know, throughout my whole career, people have said, well, Jerry can't talk. He can't cut a promo. Uh, well, here's the problem. Give me something that I would actually say and something that would make sense, and I will cut you a promo. Yeah. Uh, I did one in TNA with AJ where I pretty much, you know, told a true story, and and uh, I accidentally GD'd on live pay-per-view, and I got in trouble for it, and I don't uh, even like to GD, right. you know, and I just got carried away because I wanted people to believe this promo because it was true. Yeah, you know, and uh, but uh, the one thing I've hated most in my career is being handed something to say or given something to say that I wouldn't say this. Yeah, and what always drove me nuts is like when pe- two guys are in the ring, each with a microphone, trying to out funny each other and have their own deaf comedy jam. I'm just thinking to myself, if I'm standing in front of someone and I've got a mic and they got a mic and he says something to me and insults me that bad, I'm gonna smash that mic over his head or something. You know, I'm not gonna stand there and. Yeah. listen to it and that always drove me nuts about the business and i understand that it changed into more entertainment and stuff but i just missed the old days when it was about more realism you know and two guys getting in the ring and and you know if it gets to the point where you're both pissed at each other it's like all right let's yeah. go you know yeah. jerry so um when you would talk in, in ecw are you saying that uh your your promos were uh the verbiage was given to you? Well, Polly would give, Polly was a genius at promos. I mean, he can cut the greatest promos, yeah. but he would get me confused. He would say, well, I want you to say this, blah, 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 blah. And he'd rattle it off. And so I'd try and cut the promo and it wouldn't go good. And then he'd say, well, try this, blah, blah, blah. And he would change it up. And then I would get even more confused and whatever. Yeah. And so, I, you know, and at the time, you know, so I think I would just get frustrated and be like, all right, well, let's just get this over with. <laughs> you know? Sure. So. And it's, you know, I'm, Jerry, I've been, uh, it might be uh, a shocker to some people, but I've never been known for uh, having, you know, consistently great promos myself. Uh, go on. No. So go figure. Get out all of town. Your, all your really like <laughs> emotional promos are your best ones. Like he's sure, saying, like the his ones where, one on where we're TNA real. Whenever was... we're real, and and it's just the... remember Sean at TNA when they I came in and had that. us do our gimmick, and we yep. cut that first promo that great. went long. And when we were done with that, we I looked over at the crew and everyone, and everyone was their jaws were wide open and yeah. their eyes were <laughs> bugging out. They were like, "What the hell?" Yeah. Yeah, and and I, you know what, Jerry? Um, speaking of our our stuff in TNA, uh, I'm really proud of that. Very proud. We had we had a hell of a match. I mean, for oh, yeah. people that don't uh, know, this was in the period before TNA got their deal on Fox Sports. Yeah. So their TV was just you could watch it on the internet, and it was the best TV they did. Mm-hmm. Honestly. And so Jerry and I, I had a match with AJ Styles and Jerry was the referee and just a little kick my foot off of the, or kick my leg, my, my hand off of the ropes caused me to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so that, you know, obviously gave me Well, a, he was there to make sure you didn't cheat, right? That's right. And it was Darn it anyhow. Some white meat <laughs> crap like that that you told me too. <laughs> but uh anyways, it was really they're showing they're showing clips of it right now on here that you can't see, Jerry, but uh um I just I remember not being in very good shape at the time, but uh still we paced it mm-hmm. properly and yeah. uh um one of one of my favorite matches to go back and watch Jerry and and that's Jerry gave me a a, a vertical suplex from, in, from I was inside the ring and he was on the apron all the way to the floor and it was like wham and Jerry took a took a hell of a bump on it too I don't know which one of us got hurt worse on that actually it was kind of it, I didn't mean for it to be that brutal I did I think. <laughs> I figured if I was going to do it, I'm going to do it. And that was towards the end of the match, so hell with it. <laughs> How did you feel right after that? Oh, I couldn't breathe. I, my yeah. whole body was rocked. I mean, it was, yeah, it was bad. And I heard Jerry go, <laughs> Yeah, so it reminded it. me of the time I was brawling with someone. I can't remember who, but uh, they hooked me up for a suplex on the floor, and they go, reverse this. And I did, and I went, Ugh, and I go, don't ever call that again. Right. Oh, God, Jerry. So, yeah, we... Oh, this match is really something. It is good. It was really good. And uh, and like I said, I was proud of it. And, and, it and was, we hadn't wrestled each other in years, probably at least right? 10 years. Yeah, and then the finish of the match... It was so good. I'm not afraid to put myself over in this, <laughs> in this particular case. Uh, us over, not me. Uh, uh, Jerry won, mm-hmm. and Jerry beat me. Oh, yeah, I with, This was awesome. Jerry beat me with the exact same uh, move, a victory roll that we did in one of our PWA matches, Aww. which only meant something to us, but it was it, it was cool. And afterwards, like we did the big, and, and the people all they bit hook, line, and sinker, didn't they, Jerry? Yep. Like yep. we, I was crying, and I'm hugging Jerry. I love you, man. And um, as soon as I uh, get finished hugging him, I boom, I give him like this shoulder breaker oh. thing. And oh, you should, because the people were hooked. We had him. And then I took him to the floor, I ran his shoulder into the post, put his arm against the, the rail, and, uh, you know, took a chair. Did you take a chair to my arm yeah, to the rail? Against your shoulder, yeah. 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 Well, that's that right, because I had played that uh, thing about when Hoobie, Hoobie messed my shoulder up. Oh, poor Hoobie. Bless his heart. Oh, there Gotta we go. <laughs> yeah, we just saw, uh, we just showed the clip of me dropping you. And was that the last oh. time that you two were in the ring together? It was, wasn't it, Jerry? Oh, no. Not, retirement. The retirement. The retirement up until that, yeah. No, it wasn't. Now, no, we no, we had a singles we match. Each other okay. That was at First Ave in Minnesota, right? Yes, the, the world famous First Avenue, uh, um, where. Purple Rain was shot. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was so cool to be able to say that uh, I had a match with Jerry Lynn at First Avenue. It was great. I've seen a lot of concerts there. That place used to be a home away from home. Now, Jerry, um, oh man, thank God! Look, I'm our, by, by that time my body's already pretty beat up, and so is yours. And oh, uh, yeah. I, it's the thing is, is that crowd was. It was so good, and they were so hot for the match that it, I mean, it was really hard to screw it up. Well, I 
when I still I still get goosebumps when I think about that night. It was so special, and I was stressing before the match because you and Wade were talking forever in the locker room. And I'm thinking we got to get something put together oh, that's here. Right. I want this to be good. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. I forgot I like, about that. Sean, let's get something put together. Yeah, at least the last you know the season go home something yeah i'm sitting there talking to wade keller and, and, and smoking pot at the same time before, before the match starts anyways but uh wow it was such i mean okay the match was great but it was like the aftermath which was to me extremely special jerry oh yeah the the, the fans were Ah, the whole night was special. It's just, you know, one of those one of those nights that doesn't happen very often. You know, there's yeah. so much nostalgia to it, and the, and there were so many so many of the fans showed up that watched our feud in the early days were there. Yeah, and uh, and you know after the match we looked over and all the boys had come out. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So. Yeah. Um, Everybody got in the ring. The kids came in the ring. Our kids, you know, and it was just uh, never forget it, Jerry. Never forget oh. it, man. I was thinking that I might not be. Uh, I thought at that point I didn't have a whole lot longer left to wrestle. I can't believe I'm still doing this crap. That's what I was thinking the other day. I'm like, how can how is Sean's body taking this so long? I can tell you how. Nobody does anything offensive to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I I tag oh. in. I do my spin kicks, my leg drop, my bronco buster. Tell everybody to suck it, and uh, and that's and that's all they want to see from me, Jerry. Thank God. Because that's all I, you're getting. Well, hit the hits. Near the, <laughs> near, the end, near the end, I figured out a gimmicky thing to do it. Yeah. And at the end of every comeback, I called it the rolling fireball of doom. Yeah. And that was kind of a rib on all these weird names for moves, like a, a shining wizard and whatever. Yeah. So, and what I would do is I'd have, you know, bust out my comeback, have the guy selling in the corner, and I'd run from the other corner, do a forward roll, pop up, and thumb him in the eye. Nice. And it always get the greatest reaction of the match because, you know, I, everyone's thinking I'm going to do some forward roll and jump up into something spectacular, and it was as simple as a thumb in the eye. Well, speak, okay, Jerry, how do you feel about that? All of the crazy moves that you've done, all the risks you've taken um, to get a reaction, and the biggest reaction you end up getting is from a forward roll into an eye poke. I wish I'd learned that a lot earlier in my career. I wouldn't work. be in such bad shape now. Here's the thing, Jerry. It wouldn't have worked that early in your career because nobody cared about you enough yet. That's. Just, I mean, you know, well, what, does that, I, maybe I said that wrong, but when no, that makes sense. That when, makes when, sense. When, when, when they don't have an emotional investment in us, you know, mm -hmm. when we don't have emotional equity, uh, little things like that don't work yet. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, plus, it was my fault, too, because... Um, you know, every even back when I started, <clears throat> you had every company had their comedy guy yeah. and stuff, you know. And and I guess being trained by Brad and stuff, he really instilled it to us. Even the first day, he says, uh, now, if you guys want to go home and tell your friends it's all fake, you're just wasting your money. And he really instilled in us back then, protect the business and, you know, and so I always had it in my mind when you step in the ring, um, it's business. 
know, it's not just, uh, and I'll never forget you and I, I don't know if it was you and I, I'm sure it had to be some, a lot of shows with you and I, we'd be at the show and there'd be guys out in the ring and we could hear them from the locker room and you could hear the people laughing and you and I would look at each other and go, well, we got to kick it up a notch to get the people back. And so I always had it in my mind. I want, I want to make these people believe this. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I don't want to go out there and take bumps for nothing. Yeah, the thing and is, Jerry. You, what, huh? Go I was, ahead. I was gonna say the thing is, is like we couldn't control what went on before us, but we right. could control what went on in our match, and we were gonna make sure that nobody was laughing at our shit. I promise yeah. you that they might have laughed if they didn't if they'd never seen us before. They might have laughed when they saw me come out of the uh, out of the back for my entrance. Uh, right. Uh, not you so much because you at least looked like a man. Uh, but they didn't laugh once a bell rang. No, no, not at all. Yeah. So hey, and uh, that's one thing that made me angry about Global was there were some of the guys who didn't want to work for you because you were small, and that pissed me off. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I forgot about that, Jerry. Um, uh, the late Sweet Brown uh, Sugar Skip Young refused to do a job for me. Um. I'm trying to think of who else. I can't remember. I know now. John Tatum didn't like doing the job for me in that tournament. Yeah, but here's the thing about John Tatum: it's a light heavyweight. It's a light heavyweight tournament, and John Tatum's 260 pounds. Right. I didn't get that part. It was like, can't you? Can't, I, can't we? I bring could him? tell during the match he wasn't thrilled about it. So. Of course, and and you know what? Looking at it, um, from his point of view, I can understand somebody feeling that way uh but i just disagree with it you know right right i I wouldn't because you know what there's ways of doing stuff where everyone comes out smelling like roses or you know what you don't have to have the match you know right yeah yeah, that too just so you don't want to work with me that's right i didn't i didn't take it personal when skip young came up to me and told me hey this is my hometown blah blah blah. if that's how hey i don't want to work with you then either Mm mm-hmm yeah. You know, I cuz it's not going to be good. So, yeah. But Well, gentlemen, can we talk a little bit about Jerry's retirement match? Absolutely. And all the hoopla That's in 2013. You got a lot more stuff to cover. That's too soon. Oh. <laughs> well, help me out here, Jerry. Huh? Help, what what else do you want to cover? I don't know. What were uh Oh, I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry yeah. I do that sometimes. I do that okay. when I do seminars too. Yeah. Um <laughs> Oh, so I was talking about when I do the rolling fireball of doom and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it was my fault. Cause I know the business slowly changed and evolved to just more entertainment. And there was no way to make the people believe this was real anymore. And I was having a hard time accepting that fact, you know, and right. wanting to change that way. And then finally, I just, you know. Can't said, beat them, right, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. If you can't beat them, join them. That yeah, finally it yep. was like, all right, why am I trying? Because there was times I felt like I was the only one in the ring selling. Yeah. You know? And then you'd get slack and say, well, Jerry looked old and tired tonight. Well, you know, after 20 minutes, I'm supposed to look tired and wore down. Yeah. If you want, I can still get up and do some jumping jacks and push-ups for you after 20, 25 minutes in. But you're not supposed to. Correct. And so, you know, like, like you said, finally I said, well, why am I out here selling my butt off when no one else is? Even though I I still would sell because I didn't want to take 
bumps for nothing and no sell it and but you know for after a while it got ridiculous like yeah. i said i felt like i was the only one in the ring selling hey jerry how okay you uh you ended up in in ring of honor and it was like you got an like somebody and in, you know injected you with, with uh water right into your vein from the fountain of youth like all this you know no yeah well you had you looked great you're um i mean physically and your matches were as good as they'd in my opinion had been uh through you know throughout the you know throughout your entire career and uh, uh talk about your your experience in, in ring of honor jerry well first of all carrie silken and no pun intended, was probably the most honorable promoter I've ever worked for. I like him. Very, very good guy, yeah. And I, I still keep in touch with him to this day. But talk about, I mean, you know, you always could trust him, and he was always up front with you. Yeah. And, you know, and his partner, Sid. So they were, they, it was, you know, it was great working for them. But it was rough. That was a rough run. And I, I still tell people to this day, that run with Ring of Honor took years off my career. Because, yeah. you know, the 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 wrestling is a lot more physical there and i mean you got guys bumping on the apron and bumping on the floor and yeah and, uh, and you know it was mainly known as a company for younger upcoming guys and so i knew plus when i got there uh i was getting a lot of flack because i was an older wrestler and like i said it was for the younger guys you know and so i knew i had to step up my game and and try and keep up with this guys, and it wasn't easy. It was hard, especially because I was, what year was that? Two thousand nine. Yeah. Well, I was. Um, Were you forty yet? Oh yeah, I was in my upper forties. Yeah. I was probably forties. How many years ago was that from now? <laughs> seven years. <laughs> 2016 and nine. That's seven. That seven years. Damn. Anyways. Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, I was. You were well into your forties. Yeah. yeah, I was forty-six, forty-seven. My Ring of Honor run. So it was tough, and it was tough on my body. And uh, I just. I remember. mean, I had fun. I enjoyed, you know, a lot of the matches. I enjoyed working with Nigel and and uh, a lot of the guys. Tyler Black, I I wrestled Tyler Black quite a few times for AAW in Chicago before Ring of Honor. So Tyler Black uh, went Seth on to Rollins. become Seth Rollins. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so. for those of uh, you that didn't follow ROH or his career before WWE, but uh, the one of the things that I remember distinctly about your ROH run was your angle with Nigel McGuinness. Yeah, that and was fun. When he cut when he when he he cut this crazy promo on you. Like it was really like, it was like, you know, in, in, in your reaction to it, I, I'm, I'm going to have a hard time trying to explain it. Can you, was that in the locker room? Yes. That one. That was right after the show here in Nashville. And he, at the end of the match, just really insulted me. Yes. You know, he, um, did you see that promo on the mic? Yes. In the ring. Okay. So yeah. you know the whole, how it went. But he put you down, he insulted you, and it was not, it was kind of like the kind of insult like somebody would hear behind the scenes, more so than a wrestling promo. Like, you're, you're old, right. da 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 and your reaction to it really just, 
it created something that felt so real, Jerry. And I, I cut a promo in the back on him like something you'd only hear behind the scenes. Yeah. Because I don't know if people could catch it because I said it so loud and angry and fast, but I pretty much said, if you'd have done that back in the day, I said someone would have shit in your bag and threw it out the door and you'd have never seen been seen again. You know? I said, Gee, I wonder like who that. that someone would be. Anyways. <laughs> but it was, that's a true story. That's what would have happened yep. years ago if you'd have done something like that, you know? Yeah. Wow. You'd have had the crap kicked out of you. They'd have crapped in your bag, and you and your bag would have been tossed out the back door, and you'd have never been seen in the business again. And that's what I basically said in that promo. Now, how much of that was, uh, if it, like I said, I'm not afraid to say I'm still a mark. How much of that was a work, and was any of it, like, legit? No, that was all a work. Nice. You had me, See, man. That's what I mean. <laughs> I can cut a promo. That yeah, pisses me off exactly. when people say, oh, Jerry can't talk. Well, give me something I would really say. That's you right. know, or that's just give you a situation and let you come up with your own thing to say. How about that? Yeah, give that's me the bullet idea. points and let me do it how I would do it. But yeah. don't try and make me be something I'm not. Yeah. That's what always drove me nuts. Yeah. And it wasn't long after that, uh, your, your ROH run, Jerry, um, that you and I had this uh, match at, at First Ave, Which, you know, that, okay. we, that we already talked about. And... Uh, what whatever what did you do after that? After that, that match um, we had at first half? What did I do? Yeah, as far as like, you know, um you can because you didn't retire yet. No, I just I guess I just did a bunch of indies, got my own gigs, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. And then okay. Because not long after that, I think is when um I was supposed to have that match with R V D for TNA's hardcore pay-per-view and I was training and uh, hurt my back and had to get back surgery and that pretty much ended my full-time career and I thought well I'll just wrestle part-time and every time I'd wrestle after that my body would just start screaming at me what are you doing yeah and so uh, I knew that the end was coming when do you remember when when you actually made the decision okay I'm gonna have my retirement match it's gonna be here and you know, then how you felt and like you know about it after that. After well, you decided this is it. When I, oh, I knew the day was. I knew my time was coming to an end, but I didn't know exactly when or how or who I was going to wrestle or anything. Right. But I was wrestling uh, for Pro Wrestling Syndicate in New Jersey, and I was wrestling uh, uh, Dan Moff, I think. Yeah, Dan Maff, Yeah, Big Dan. Yeah. yeah. And during the match. I did the little flippy off the apron onto him, and he hit it back of his head on the floor pretty good. And I didn't know, and he didn't say anything, but he was pretty concussed. Yeah. Well, near the end of the match, we had a spot where he overhead pressed me, and we would spin right into a spinning DDT off the overhead press. Yeah. And we did that, and he jammed his, he didn't take the bump good because he was concussed and mm-hmm. jammed his neck good and got a bad stinger. So right after that, we were going home, and I pretty much had, I knew something was wrong. We had a couple of short little quick spots, and it kept, everyone was getting flubbed up somehow. And I pretty much had to pull him on top of me for the pin. Yeah. And after that, he rolled out of the ring onto the floor. And I, uh, the ref came over to me, you know, and said he can't feel his legs. And right then and there is when I decided, all right, this, I'm retiring at the end of the year. And I think that was in June or something. I, yeah. And while they were looking at him, I was trying to 
I grabbed the mic and was uh, going to eat up time while they were looking at them, and I announced right then and there to the crowd that this was my last year. I was going to oh. eat it hmm. in December. That's yeah. when the light bulb went off and said, I'm pushing my luck. Yeah. I'm, so. Um, I, I'm not sure, like, what went into I just remember you reaching out to me, uh, asked me if I'd be in the match. and uh, Yeah, I, I didn't know who or what, you know, or where. I was thinking where. I was thinking, well, probably out east on a bigger indie show. And then, uh, you know, Kathy Carlson. Yeah. yeah. Well, she uh, called me up and was telling me, you know, asking me about, you know, where are you going to have your last match and blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking, well, I was thinking out east. She says, well, you know, you really should do it, Minneapolis. And I said, yeah, you're probably right. She said, well, talk to Heavy D. He'll promote it. And Dave so I Sabick. Heavy D. Dave Sabick, Heavy on Wrestling. Yeah. And so, and I, I kept thinking, you know, well, who should I wrestle? You know, should it be someone I've never wrestled before? Or, and then... And just one day, I think I was at work even, I, all of a sudden a light bulb went off and I said, well, I know Sean's got to be in it. And then I thought, well, why not, uh, you know, I had feuds with you, Horace, and JB, so yeah. I thought, why not have feuds with, you know, or why not have the match with guys I had feuds with early in my career? I thought it'd be just more nostalgic. Yeah. And I thought that would be perfect. I just remember, this is the thing, it, what a loaded card it was, too. So many people um, came to pay respects and, you know, and, and all that. Uh, Al Snow was there. I, I mean, I, I don't want to leave anybody out. There were so many people there. But I just, the one thing, and I and I definitely owe you a huge apology for this, is that was your night. And I came in, and I was so difficult to try to put a match together or even just come up with, like, what the match was actually going to be. It's your night not mine and I was such an asshole which is so apropos that I ended up tearing my asshole so <laughs> yes well I I wouldn't say you're an asshole but when we were all sitting together putting the match together I, I was starting to get frustrated I'm thinking this is being too difficult yes. I said I was thinking to myself I just want to have a hot match have some really good falsies going home and you know and yeah. I thought this is too hard putting this match together. We are, it shouldn't be this difficult. That's but right. And I don't ended, think it was just you. I I think it was a little bit of everybody. Well, what, what can, was the issue? The issue was Ego I wanted loser. it to be my way because I thought I knew better than everyone else. Okay. It didn't matter. You know, it, it, I just I knew better, and that's the way it was. And it was just bullshit. You Were know? you... Intoxicated? No, or no, no, but I still wasn't. No, fine. Yeah, no, I. St but I still wasn't where I am today, as far as you know. And I still have a long way to go. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know that would not have happened with me today, Jerry. It's just I'm at a different place in my life. I'd like to think so, right. anyways. But what do you, what's your what's your memories of uh, of that night, Jerry? Um. I don't, it was all kind of a blur, really. Really? You didn't have, like, was, you weren't, it wasn't, like, heavy on your mind, this is it, this is, uh, you know, I'm not going to do this anymore after tonight? No, actually, it was a relief, wow. to tell you the truth. Because, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I don't know if I should say this, but, uh. Say it. Say it! <laughs> uh, well, I don't, I don't want, okay, in Ring of Honor, yeah. 
uh, you know, when they put the strap on me, and I had to be the last match every night. Right. I mean, I was doing stuff in the ring that I was firmly against, you know, but I I knew I had to do it because it was Ring of Honor and and I was on last and these guys are blowing the roof off the place doing this insane stuff and whatever and and so like I said, I I still say that and plus what I never realized and what people don't realize, the older you get, whenever you take a bump the older you get, the more damage it does to your body. And when you're younger, it's just a little bit of damage, you know. Every time you hit that mat, you're doing a little bit of irreparable damage to your body. But the older you get, it does a lot more damage to you. And uh, when they put the strap on me, <laughs> there's probably going to be people mad when they hear this. But And I don't mean it out of any disrespect or anything. I was thankful for Carrie, and, and I... I was glad for my run in Ring of Honor. They actually did reignite my career for a few more years and kept me going. But uh, after the first weekend loop, after the second night, I said to Adam Pierce, who was booking at the time, I said, I can't wait to drop this strap. And he says, really? Why? And I said, because uh, they've raised the bar so high as to what it takes to win a match now. I said, this is taking years off my career. Mm, And he says, he says, I'd like to see what these guys look like after 20 years. And I said, these guys aren't going to have 20-year careers, a lot of them. That's true. Unless they unless they do some serious adjusting to their styles, like, you know, over the years. I mean, Nigel McGuinness is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. He was their huge champ, and then when he got his opportunity to go to WWE, he couldn't pass his medical. Yeah. So. Mm. Now he's going to be a coach. And look at, poor, look at poor Daniel Bryan. That's right. Bryan Daniel. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets there, and then his next shot. Mm-hmm. Not long after he's there. It's... So, Jerry, we um, we ended up having a hell of a match, in spite of me being such a douchebag. I guess went through tables. Yeah, as we're going crazy. And so, I mean, and then so, like, you know, I I I have Horace, and I I tell him, like I have him in the corner, and I tell Horace the psychopath, move out of the way, go for the Bronco Buster. I come in to horizontally not i usually come in 45 degree angle too horizontally and so you know story goes i rip it just it rips my asshole and uh uh i knew it you could see me say i tore my effing asshole and you could see me like on the video you could see my you know read my lips and then all of a sudden, wham. Right after that, don't I hit you with the chair no <laughs> no what happened is as soon as i say that and i'm, I'm holding my butt um uh, Horace comes in with this big old metal. I don't know what the hell it was, and just whack me in the back, in the back of the head. Oh, that's who hit you. Okay, yeah. it wasn't me. Good. But we ended up, do, you know, we finished the match. Everything was fine. My, I didn't realize it was as bad as it was because everything was being held in by the by my tights, and I, I never took my tights off that night. Yeah, I went to. I went. I to, know because at the after party, you were wearing a warm up suit over your tights. I think. Yeah, and then and you brought. You brought your hand out and said, I think you felt something. You brought it out and there was blood on your fingers. And I said, you better get to the hospital. Yeah. 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 That was it. And then I I made it back to my hotel room and I tried to take everything off. And that's when I just sprung a leak and just blood was everywhere. It was so much blood, man. Uh, And the thing is, too, like, that's your retirement, Jerry. And... 
people end up talking about my torn butthole. Like, oh, so I, what? So what? You know, it, like the saying goes, it ain't ballet, right? right. <laughs> well, plus, wasn't that the second time you did that? Didn't you do it yes. a few months before? No, it was like a year and a half or two before that. Oh. I was wrestling oh. Jay Bradley. Yeah. Some Jay Bradley. That's right. Yeah. Ryan Braddock. Yeah, and I was doing a quick little side note here. I'm doing Eric Bischoff's show the other day. Yeah. And his producer, Nick Hausman from WrestleZone, is on there. And he was my manager on the first, in the first uh, A-hole tear. And, yeah, and so he's telling the story about how I'm laying face down on this table. And he's asking me, you know, what, you know, what he can do. And I'm like, yeah, take this towel and hold it up between my ass cheeks. Like, that's the... You know, that's the big thing that he remembered. Anyways. I could see how that would not be forgettable. Yeah, so. That has nothing to do with Jerry and I, but, you know, me and delving uh, off into so the weeds. It's crazy that you... We have our own be, unforgettable things. Yeah. You finished this match, you gave, like, a whole heartfelt speech, and then you went to the after party and just, like, went on with your night. It was Jer- Jerry. I understand. My friend's retirement, yeah. man. <laughs> Assholes can wait. <laughs> but I'm, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm honored, and I, I, in spite of you know, my state of mind and what a jerk I was that night. Like I was honored then too. Um, but hey, since I got all my stuff out of the way, I think I got it all out of the way. Do you guys want any scraps, leftover scraps? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Jerry, why don't you give us a little update on how your health is now? How are you doing? Oh, I just got an MRI yesterday for my hip because uh, I've been going through all this stuff trying to figure out what's wrong with my back because of this pain in my left leg and hip and stuff. And um, So when I found out about the neck, I also have a bulging my lowest disc is bulging and then i went and got another mri this year and that he's not sure if it's the bulging disc now because the two joints up above it are so full of arthritis he thinks it's closing the gap around the nerves is stenosis spinal, so went, spinal stenosis yeah. okay so i went through a series of three spinal injections to see if that would help that didn't do any good you had epidurals so I, uh yeah and they so didn't i finally work? went Pardon? They didn't work at all? Nothing? No relief whatsoever? No, I still have this pain in my upper, outside of my glute, wow, and then man. down outside of my leg and calf. So I talked, one of my uncles got both hips replaced, and I asked him, I didn't even tell him what was going on with me, I asked him his uh, symptoms, and it's exactly what was happening to me. So I called my surgeon and got him to prescribe an MRI on my hip. So I just had the MRI done uh, yesterday. So it'll probably be won't be till after Christmas or New Year's before I get the results from my doctor and see what's going on with that. So yeah, I'm, you probably I'm need a new hip. hip. That sounds weird. You probably need a new hip, Jerry. No big deal. Yeah, <laughs> just a new. Not in the wrestling business. It's not right. pretty common. Oh, well, at least you have medical insurance now. Uh. Well, it's still not the greatest. You know, still got to cough up. I think a total of six thousand dollars in advance. And, hmm. So, is there any way we? Is there any way people can help you out with that? I'll I'll see when the time comes because when I needed my neck surgery, uh, Fritzy Brian Fritz down yeah. in Orlando, he did a GoFundMe page, yeah. and uh, it was amazing how the, the the help came from all over the world. It I mean, was very was cool. 
I was it just was I was just reading a tweet back I wrote about that the other day. Somebody uh, retweeted it, and I was just I had commented on how cool it was that the wrestling world all stepped up to help out. You know, yeah, it was uh, amazing. It I, brought tears to my eyes. It, hey, man, because everybody loves you, Jerry. I mean, and everybody realizes the sacrifices, you know, and and all of that. Um, you know, I mean, we we do the best we can, Jerry. You know, oh yeah, so. What else do you guys have for Jerry? Well, I think Jimbo's got some fan we questions. We got some fan questions. Uh, Peter wants to know in your almost thirty-year-plus career what your favorite era was. Oh boy, that's tough. I guess. Uh, I guess it, it, the early years were fun with Sean because we were actually, you know, had the people believing it was real. And oh, I, I never. I don't know. If, if I ever told Sean this story, I usually tell it when I do a seminar about, you know, about the importance of making the people believe. It was in southern Minnesota. I think, I can't remember who was with me. It was two of us drove down there. And we get to the school early. And I think we're the first car there, actually. And they're, well, except for the people sitting up the ring and stuff. But they're, get out of the car and open up the trunk, grab our bags out. And there's three little boys come walking up to us and go, you guys wrestlers? And I go, like, yeah, yeah. And they go, uh, you going to win tonight? And I said, uh, I don't know. I'm going to give it my best shot. And they go, oh, come on. Wrestling's fake. You know you're going to win or not. And I go, I'll tell you what. I said, you watch the show. And I said, and after the show, just based on my match alone, you come up and tell me if you still think wrestling's real or fake. And after the show, we go out to the car, and sure enough, those three boys showed up. And I said, hey, how you guys doing? I go, so what do you think? And they looked at me and said, you showed us wrestling's real. Oh, and that was ama- I'll never forget that moment. It was just amazing. So that was back then when you could still suspend their belief and make them think it was real. So- that, that's and and I think about a lot of the guys now, they're not going to experience when you get in a building and you see that real heat like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So those three, and, we made believers out of those three, huh? <laughs> so half the crowd yeah. was believing that night. <laughs> well, I even had in uh, Philly at the ECW Arena, I, it was a different company. I think it was 3PW. Yeah, it was Jasmine St. Clair's 3PW. I worked for her, too. Uh, I worked... Julio, not uh, Julio Dinner. Uh, I worked the Pope. What was his? Uh, oh, D'Angelo. What was his name? Yeah. I worked him, and we did a gimmick in the match where something out on the floor and messed my knee up, and he he came over to grab me and pick me up, and I pushed him up. And I said, "Get the f off me!" And the whole crowd just went quiet. <laughs> and he started to work on my leg the rest of the match. And at, after the show, I was still limping around and stuff. And this older gentleman, probably in his 50s, he came up to me and shook my hand. And he says, I just want to thank you for suspending my belief tonight. And I thought, cool. wow, that, I just said, that's an amazing compliment. Thank you. Because it is still so important. Like, I mean, okay, everybody knows it's a work. You still have to make them believe. Come on, people. So, yeah. And then... You know, I, I've always, you know, I didn't make a ton of money in this business and stuff or become a big superstar, which I didn't care about being a big superstar. But um, what some of the, what really, uh, what's the word? What really gives me the ultimate satisfaction is when I've had 
compliments from Bobby Heenan, Harley Race, Eddie Gilbert. And when guys like that uh, compliment your work, that just says it all to me. Yeah. Yeah, the respect of our peers is where it's at. I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 so important. But and another favorite time, you know, was uh, ECW, of course, because that, that was just uh, that was like when you know all the chips fall into place, and it was just a crazy time. And and the fans are what really made ECW. It was just. You know, it, they were great fans because they showed up to have a good time regardless. Because one second, they would be chanting, you effed up. And then 30 seconds <laughs> or la- later, they're chanting, this is awesome. You know, so they were just there to show up and have a great time with you. And there's people who have never been to wrestling. They ask, what's so great about pro wrestling? And I, I always say it's the relationship between the wrestlers yeah. and the fans. It's, right. a con- it's a whole different connection. We feed off of each other. And it's not... I don't think there's any other form of entertainment in the world like it. Even our, pro sports. our spectators aren't just spectators. They're part of the show. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and on that note, Jerry, we can't thank you enough for sharing all of this with us today and to hear the stories and you and Sean talk. It has truly, truly been a pleasure. Well, thank you. I hope I didn't bore you guys. Oh, <laughs> goodness, no. Definitely not. So, hey, the, the thing before we uh, wrap this up, I want to just say to all the promoters out there that um, Jerry Lynn is available for seminars, conventions, and uh, I can't think of a better guy to bring in for a seminar. Yeah. You know? So how can they get a hold of you for that? Um, they can, uh, I guess my email <laughs> is the number two, followed by an ND, like second, and then the word chance. And a number four, so it's second chance four at att.net. Second chance four. All right, because you're kind of a hard guy to track down, Jerry, I got to tell you. I know, I know. (laughs) Well, look at my glamorous life of a pro wrestler. Like I said, the first thing I do when I get home is poop patrol and go clean up the cat litter and the dog poop out of the yard. So I got busy stuff. (laughs) Jerry, thank you so much, man. I love you and I miss you very much, man. And uh, Merry Christmas. All right. I love you too, Sean. Keep in touch. <laughs> okay, man. Have a great day, Thank buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye, Jerry. Thanks. Bye. Wow, that was truly unbelievable. And we will be right back with more X-Pac 12360. Hey guys, Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. Thanks for sticking with us here on X-Pac 12360. We just talked to Toby Mergler from Flow Slam and Jerry Lynn. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, another one of my dear friends decided to grace us with their presence on the show like i've said a million times makes my job easy when i call people and say do you want to do this show and they say oh for sean i will right (laughs) feels good to hear you know hear that people say that you know uh so um anyways i just uh it was really cool to be able to talk to jerry i don't here's the thing I don't talk on the phone very much. You know that. Mm-hmm. People that know me understand that. So these conversations, a lot of times, are the only way I get to catch up with my friends. 
And so everyone out there that's watching and listening gets to eavesdrop on my uh, catching up with my friends every week. That's so, so cool. Yeah, pretty cool. It's so cool. Yeah. And there's always so much more we didn't talk about. Like, we didn't talk about his really, like, his feuds with RVD. And, That's right. Like, his debut match at WCW is against Zabu and the whole Mr. JL. Well, why didn't you ask him, man? We had lots. <laughs> we'll have him back. Okay. <laughs> I'll put him on the list of returns. We got yeah. a lot of those now. It has really been a great year here at X-Pac 12360, if I do yeah. say so myself. Yeah, it has. And uh, I don't know what show, what show is this. Show- this is 17. 17? 17? Yes. Wow. It's a lot of shows under our belt it's already. A lot of shows, jeez. <laughs> I, 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 you guys have been fantastic, and uh, you too, Mark. Even you. Ah, uh, shucks. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's it's been really cool. And uh, um, hey, I, there's one thing I do I want to mention as uh, this is the last show of the year, mm-hmm. and Christmas is coming up, and on the 27th of this month is, and I want everybody to remember this. It's uh, it's China's birthday. So just want to uh, just remember her, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's all. Anyways, you all have a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Love you guys. Absolutely. And if you all want to post your favorite memories of China or anything else, reach out to us in any way. Please do that on our Facebook page. Give us a thumbs up at Facebook.com slash XPOC12360 show. We are on Instagram as well at XPOC12360. You can always reach out to me personally at Christy Reports on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. I love to hear from you guys. Thank you so much for your time downloading, watching, rating, liking, subscribing, everything you've done. I read every single comment on Twitter. Twitter, and I cannot tell you how much you guys make my day. So I appreciate that. Jimbo, what do you want to say to the people? Uh, I say so many thank yous. Uh, thank you to uh, Rick, Owen, and Kip who sent in your questions. Sorry I didn't get to ask them. When we have them back on, I'll have them to ask. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jimbo in the booth. Buy my documentary, The Young Bucks Two Street Journey, at highspots.com. And just thank AfterBuzz and Kevin and Maria and everything for this. Such a great year. Leaps and bounds. I remember doing my one on one meeting last year with Kevin. And I'm asking me, like, what do you want to do? And we'll try and get you on Lucha Underground. And maybe we'll have a wrestling show you could talk about. And now I'm on a wrestling show with X-Pac and Christy. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, here I am. And I think that's a good opportunity for us to thank you, Sean. i got to tell you, it's a real pleasure to sit here with you every week and and be a part of this. So thank you so much. And if the people want to tell you what they think about the show, give you compliments, all kind of good stuff, where can they do that at? At the real X-Pac on Twitter. And then at real X-Pac on Instagram. <laughs> I tag it. you. Don't worry. You got stuff there. I see that. I <laughs> All right. Well, you all, please have a very happy holiday and a great end to 2016. We will not have a show next week. The studio's closed. Listen, if we could be here, we would. I yes. promise you. But we will be back on January 4th with a brand new episode of X-Pac 12360. We will see you then. Take us out, Sean. All right, everyone. Have a happy new year. And we love you very much. So long from X-Pac 12360 on AfterBuzz TV. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olsen, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire X-Pac 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV network. Buzz you later! 